do you guys hear how like Avril Lavigne's dead and she has been for like six years that's a super old conspiracy theory that's just been brought up again why is it got popular again because I remember hearing about it back in the day maybe BuzzFeed caught wind of this maybe yeah. and a bunch of like younger sisters of friends on Facebook were tagging names and going oh my god did you see this but like it's still it's still true as yeah. well like my favorite one of those is that Katy Perry is John Benet Ramsey. You know the little girl I was the talking about. The guy from about? Game of Thrones. No, oh um, my god, <laughs> casting John Benet. You know the little girl I was talking about before who was killed. Um, the little blonde girl. She was a pageant girl. John Benet Ramsey. Her parents kind of covered up her. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a theory out there that Katy Perry is John Benet Ramsey. Oh, for sure, because she used to be a Christian rock singer mm-hmm. called Katy Hudson. When you think of the amount of stuff that, like, we've uncovered in the last year, like, Katy Perry, Avril Lavigne, Flat Earth, like, we're just making so much progress. So, um, I don't easily get wound up, but the Flat Earth theory genuinely pisses me off. Yeah. It's a lot to, it's a lot to digest. I learned, like, my, like, that you loved maps from it before. Brian's super into maps. Yeah. I'm super into cartography. My uncle just got back from sailing around the world. Or did he? Yeah, yeah he, no, he <laughs> did. Do you know what? Maybe in the loot drop, I'll link his blog of him sailing around the world. If you look from a top-down camera angle, his boat is just like the DVD symbol banging into each corner of the earth. <laughs> For fuck's sake. The weird thing about the blog, though, is that like halfway through, his mannerisms and the typeface he uses starts to change, just like Avril Lavigne. So... I, I I guess one of the big Avril Lavigne kind of like things that doesn't hook up is she married Chad Kroger from Nickelback. Which, in yeah. fairness, like uh, the real Avril wouldn't have done that. No. That's something like the imposter kind of decided on her own. Melissa is her name. And Melissa, if you're listening to this, we the boss cast are so on to you and we will soon drop the cage that surrounds your life. Tell on you. I think she would like to get out of the cage. Yeah. Well, you have to marry Chad Kroger and pretend to be Avril Lavigne from now on. Maybe her new songs, there's like, she's like, I need help. But it, but like, it's all coded in the lyrics and you need to de- like decode it. And then you have to go to like a shed in Winnipeg. And that's where the real Avril Lavigne is this whole time. What do you think Girlfriend's really about? Hey, hey, you, you. I don't like your girlfriend. Maybe the girlfriend she's talking about. Is Melissa? Is April? Is herself. So maybe maybe the real Avril like tapped in psychically into fake Avril for a sec and released a track. So you think real Avril isn't dead. She just doesn't have her body anymore. Like like she's like she's on a spirit realm somewhere. Hey, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. I think Avril is kind of like Futaba, where she's like in a control room somewhere. She's in like she's a shut in now, and she's like feeding fake Avril information. And so her writing, her handwriting stuff has changed because she doesn't have like the fine motor skills she would if she was actually inhabiting her body. Yeah. Did you guys see the photos of Avril Lavigne doing her meet and greet in Brazil a few years ago? <laughs> where she's not touching anyone. <laughs> they all had to stand like a foot away from her. <laughs> And she's just like making the same face in every photo, but they're just like, oh my God, this is my photo of me with Avril Lavigne and we're not even like near each other. That's if they we weren't were, allowed to touch her. If we were ever to do a meetup, that's I think what we should have. Like, um, next, just, just like five, five feet 
in between us and whoever wanted the photo. We could mask off a big cross on the ground and just be like, you're not allowed to go over that. <laughs> we need our space. Please step back behind the cross. <laughs> I do really like that um, the, the girl who solves mysteries without using the internet. Oh, oh yes. Mystery show girl. What's her name? It's something so weird that I, I, keep, I keep forgetting it, and then I keep saying the names of other NPR broadcasters. Yeah, like Truthy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> truthy Panamini. Okay, well, she's a lovely girl. We're sorry we we forgot her name. But the story about Brittany and how that if you meet Brittany and you get too excited, you can't hug her, but rather you can hug her assistant. Because you, you you might you might damage the goods. Imagine that being in your like assistant thing you have to sign. Like, okay, as Brittany's assistant, someone might want to hug her, and she will need to push you into <laughs> the arms of that person. You need to be willing to accept a lot of strong positive emotion for this role. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss episode 51. Episode 51, Area 51. That's where we're going into all the deep, dark shit and uncovering it this episode. We're kicking these warehouses wide open. What the fuck is that? Yeah. <clears throat> I want to I wanna blow the lid off another conspiracy right now. Uh, what do we got? Okay, I was actually going to save this. Flat Earth, nonsense, cube Earth, everything. Cube? cube? Yeah, we live on a cube. That's how they get you. This is kind of one of those things I don't want to drop it on people because they're not ready. But yeah, no, we totally live on a cube. Uh, Clockwork Elves everywhere gave me the idea for this podcast. Uh, Reptiles, Brian's a reptilian. I remember in college you taught me about Clockwork Elves and I was like, oh God, he believes in Clockwork Elves. We weren't friends in college, Neve. That's a lie. It was. It would have been slightly after college. Slightly after college, but fucking thanks. But okay. There, 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 there is a guy we know that's real into this stuff. Yeah, no. And how I, you yeah. need to take MDMA to see the Clockwork Elves mm-hmm. because that makes you see in another reality. Yeah. Where, where the Clockwork Elves uh, illusion is no longer working. But the, And sometimes they look like elves, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they look like giant spiders. Did you guys see the um, the the uh, Philip K. Dick movie? It's not na- based on his book. The Adjustment Bureau? That's the name. No. Was that relatively recent? Yeah, like within the last 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's directed by Clint Eastwood, or maybe it isn't. Uh, but it stars Matt Damon, and he discovers that there's actually like a kind of men in black scenario where they can freeze time and like adjust the setup of the world to make things happen in place. And it's about Matt Damon and how he's being groomed to be the president of America because he'll like put America in the right direction. And then they explain that they intervene sometimes and when they don't intervene, shit goes wrong. So they intervene for a hundred years and the Renaissance happened but then when they stopped intervening, there was loads of civil wars. And then they intervened again, intervened during the Victorian era, era, but then they didn't. And two world, two world wars started. So now they're back at it again. That's got some dubious, like, what was a good part of history and what was a bad part of history. But they are to, like, thank on this or, or to blame. Thanks for the aristocracy. So how much, like, how much shit do you think we don't know about? Like... How much actual crazy stuff do you think is there? Or do you think it's just like, oh, well, 
the American government did this with taxes in 1998? Or do you think there's actual, like, really banana shit out there? Like, do you think Donald Trump got elected and they were like, okay, here are all the aliens? I don't know, like, in terms of, like, Area 51 stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I once told my dad that I thought the moon landing was fake. People and get real royal about that. And he got yeah. pissed yeah. at me. Because he was like, I was like, 11 years old when that happened. You can't take that away from me. I saw it on TV. The truth hurts. And I was like, yeah, but do you think that really actually happened? And he's like, it happened for me. I watched a big conspiracy video about how the moon landing didn't happen. And I was like, that's super convincing. And then I watched a big like anti-conspiracy video about how the moon landing actually did happen. And I was like, that's super convincing. And I came to the conclusion that I'm an idiot and I don't know enough about space or aeronautics to have any proper opinion on it. So I don't know. I don't care. Probably. I mean, whatever. I think it, it did. Yeah. You space spaceman, Neve. Spaceman. <laughs> the chimney. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you, Doctor Spaceman. <laughs> God, I miss that show. Yeah, I know. Kimmy Schmidt is a good bomb for that. Let's talk about Kimmy Schmidt. Okay. Okay. So like last time we were talking, I was going on about Master of None being good. I was wrong. It's not good. Oh, really? Aww. Well, got bad or just... The last two episodes are infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's Dev and this girl, Francesca, and their little love thing that they're doing. But it's written like bad fan fiction. She goes over to spend the night. They're cuddling and watching a movie. Then they get snowed in and then she can't sleep. So she decides to have a dance party with him in her underwear in an oversized white shirt. Like, I've read that fan fiction. Cool. Who, who were the characters in it? Was it Cyclops and Wolverine? <laughs> Cyclops is wearing the oversized white shirt <laughs> and his little black panties on and is dancing. It's very romantic. Sounds good. Come on, Logan. But it's just, um, it was just really frustrating because it went from being like cool, cool character stuff to this really boring, schlocky, romantic crap that like, I didn't feel bad or good for either of them. I was like, both of you are doing a bad thing. Like, He's cheating. He wants to cheat on her and she has a fiancé. She's kind of letting that happen. Huh. Yeah, last two episodes, not great. The rest of it, pretty good. Yeah. But then I watched Kimmy Schmidt instead and that's hilarious and it's the best. That's on season three yeah. on Netflix. Just came out. Yeah. So if you don't know Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy Schmidt's about a girl who was kept in a bunker, an underground bunker by a crazy cult leader for probably 10, 15 years. Yeah. And she was released back into the world as a fully grown adult. And she has no idea what the hell's going on. And she's trying to find her way through it. And she's full of like positive middle America vibes. Yeah. It's like from a lot of people who did um, 30 Rock. So it's Tina Fey again, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just hilarious. It's so great. I think one thing I love about that show is like, that show's really dark in a mm. lot of ways. But it's all con- like it's so like colorful and bright, and all the actors are so kind of positive that you kind of miss it. But then sometimes when you focus on like the details of the characters' lives, it's like what like the like snatches of what we get about what happened in the bunker yeah. are so dark, like so dark. It's really good that way. Or they'll just draw in a single line about something, like just as a random metaphor, they were like on about Olympians not getting paid any money. And that was just like a one throwaway line, but it's like so topical and true and dark. It's like, it's a very good show. Even some of like the sort of like visual comedy in it is so strong. There's a bit, and I don't really remember the context, but there's a bit of like an American football player performing cats on screen and 
It is one of the fucking funniest. Because right at the end, like, right, he does a shitty job and it's really funny. But then right before it cuts, a guy stands up to leave and it just cracks me up every time. It's so, it's, it's brilliant. David Sedaris' sister, Amy Sedaris, is sometimes in it as Mimi, uh, Mimi in it. She's Jacqueline's friend. She does some great physical comedy, like kicking off her shoes and just like pulling amazing faces. It's probably the best comedy out right now. There isn't a lot. All the big ones are kind of gone. Yeah. Um, Especially this time of year. Silicon Valley is good, but the last couple episodes... This season isn't as good. I thought the first couple episodes were great. Yeah. The last couple... Have, have been pretty you, you know when a You know when a sitcom goes from being a sitcom to feeling like a fan-wrote sitcom? That's, yeah. what it, that's what I feel like. Because like, all the characters are acting like themselves and doing things they do. But the kind of soul of it isn't really there, and none of the jokes really landing that well. Like, it's still fun watching the actors do their thing. Like, your man who plays Ehrlich Bachman is always funny. He's leaving, apparently. Oh, shit. Uh, I think my favorite is Jared or Donald, the guy that was in the later seasons of The Office. Uh, I love that actor. Yeah, he's great. And he said he's never watched the show. Like, he just comes in and just does his funny thing. And Weird. Um, Broad City's not back. I think that's back in the summer. Because yeah, they wanted to shoot over the winter. Because they always shoot in the summer, but they wanted a snow in New York. So they just shot this winter. So I think that's back in August. But yeah, there, there isn't that much comedy mm. at the moment. There's a lot of dramas finishing up and starting. Like, I think Orange is the New Black is back yeah. next weekend. Yeah, Orange is the New Black and Master and are <clears throat> None are more dramedies rather than comedy yeah. kind of stuff. Comedy is in kind of a weird space in television, if you think about it. Because, like... The television drama is at a point now where it nearly has, like, as much notoriety as, like, a, a big movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but comedies, they're still kind of considered, I think, like, how they've always been. And they seem to have, like, the same amount of funding they've always had, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I think comedy can definitely feel a lot cheaper. Uh, it's so weird when you see, like, a Netflix original sitcom and it's just the fakest fucking thing because you're just, like, there is no audience there's no mm-hmm. live audience in this at all it just feels so flat but then i think a lot of kind of like smaller internet comedies have taken over from that kind of thing like i'm not that it's that popular but oh that that really broken talk show from that guy who was eric on, andre yeah yeah eric stuff andre. Like that. would you call that a comedy though yeah yeah I guess so, but like he's a comedian. It's not like it's not really a sitcom. It's more like no, no, it's no. satiric. But like it's a show you watch to laugh at. Yeah, but I think I think sitcoms have nearly like died. Some, I, I, the, I, I yeah. feel like you've kind of nearly done everything you can with a sitcom format. I I I, I think the it's last format, big though. like respectable sitcom was How I Met Your Mother. Like in terms of like something that was like closer to a friend's. What about Parks and Rec though? Parks and Rec is a is a mockumentary show, so like stuff like Modern Family yeah. still going on. Uh, you but, know, like I, I'm talking about like I mean the lines are pretty blurry. But well, you know how like Kirby Enthusiasm and Always Sunny are mockumentary shows because it's done handheld. But then yeah. out of that, you had Arrested Development, which was a documentary, and then over in the UK they were doing The Office, so that got adapted here. And then out of that, you got US Office, Modern Family, mm. and Parks and Rec, and they're all uh, you know, handheld with 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 a flat with 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 with, with a camera crew. Yeah, like in a lot of ways, Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt is like a, I think a more old school sitcom yeah. than a lot of things, and that's the kind of one where I'm like, it reminds me a lot of Will and Grace, which is getting a uh, comeback. Yeah, it is really. So that'll yeah. be interesting to see how that goes. I never watched that. That's oh, really good. Yeah, really good. It's... I don't know if it ages well. At the time, it was like like they were the only gays on TV, and, and it was, was a real like turn turn of the millennium kind yeah. of show. So they did a lot of like Jack loves and sync. Sure. <laughs> uh, 
I, I mean, I, if, I, they, if they had that joke now, it would probably be funnier. Yeah, it actually yeah. would. Jack was a scream. I don't think I knew that show was gay until what? relatively recently. Because I'd just turn it on and I'd see someone in a suit and I'd be like, eh, this isn't wrestling. But it turns out it's just as gay as wrestling. It's gayer. Well, no. Oh, I don't know, I don't know dude. Yeah. yeah, wrestling's pretty gay. I've been watching more Twin Peaks Season 3. How, did you watch Episode 5? Yep. I thought we were really, really, really spoiled with the two-hour episodes. But now we're into one-hour territory, and you're not getting your, like, mystery fix now. You're kind of going like, that was good, but, it, like, it didn't, like... I think episode four is one of my favorite episodes of Twin Peaks. Oh, just every episode day. four is fantastic. Yeah. It's, like, I really enjoyed three and four, because that's where they start getting back into the Agent Dale Cooper stuff, and how he is constantly failing upwards to his goal, because he's in the body of a catatonic man called Dougie Jones. Who is a suburban, like, blob of a man. Yep. After 25 years of living in a parallel universe, Agent Dale Cooper is now a catatonic father of one, happily married. Yeah, he's married to Naomi Watts, and they have a son called Sonny Jim, who is played (laughs) by the Rainmaker from Looper, because that's what that kid looks like now. And he has a weird fixation with his son, because his son, like, kind of gave him, like, a very encouraging smile and thumbs up. So he's like, I like that boy, I have to protect him. Because Cooper once gave a very encouraging smile and thumbs up. Yeah. But sometimes someone will say like a, a key word to him, like coffee, and that'll like that 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 that'll kinda get a reaction from him. I, I think that's like reactivating little parts of him. Yeah, because Cooper liked, you know, he was a federal agent and he loved coffee. I'm sure if someone said the word pie, he'd fucking flip. Mm-hmm. He would all just go. <laughs> I need to watch this. I can't even understand what's happening. Um, I I don't really understand a lot of what's happening, but I know I'm having a good time when I do. I just really love how once an episode they'll show, like, the establishing shot of the sheriff's office and something funny is happening in there. So, Harry Truman isn't in it anymore. Hmm. His brother is in it now. Yeah, his brother Frank. I like his brother so much more than him. I loved Harry. Um, I, I loved him and Dale's relationship. Yeah, Michelle loves him and Dale's relationship. Like, it's such a sweet and endearing relationship. Because usually, like, the the town sheriff and the out-of-town agent do not ever get along. Is that the Twin Peaks ship? That's that's a really good... Like, go, that's back, a very, go, back, go back and watch those first two seasons and see what you see. It's okay. a popular ship. Uh, but his brother was mentioned in the original show, and apparently they did actually want to cast that actor, Robert Forster. He's great. He's yeah. really good. Because uh, he's in the second last episode of Breaking Bad as well. As the, gun guy. the disappearer. There's a bit where two characters from Old Twin Peaks have a baby, and their baby is now grown up and played by Michael Sarah. And he just gives this weird, rambling monologue that goes on. I, I, time lost all meaning, so I have no long I have no idea how long it went on for. Yeah. But once it was over, I was like. Twin Peaks Season 3 could end right now, and I'm good. That's everything I wanted. Do you know what he was doing? Like, make Sarah as a person? Yeah. Well, like, he was playing a character called Wally Brando, which doesn't make any sense. But he was doing, like, a weird Marlon Brando impression. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. It was, it's fascinating. It was. It was just, like, the most, and, like, you could nearly look at it and be like, this is terrible acting. Because it was so stilted and it was so awkward. And the way his mom and dad kept rubbing his shoulders during the whole scene. Yeah, because they look like they have no idea what he's saying. And they just kind of like keep smiling and just looking at the sheriff neutrally. And I'm like, the fucking sheriff's reaction at the end of it. 
it was priceless. It's 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 one of my favorite parts of Twin Peaks ever. He's real good at reacting to stuff, actually, because in in, in in the most recent one, episode five, he does some good kind of like diffusing a, a, a crazy wife. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite bit so far was in the first or second episode. I forgot to mention it in the last one, but it's a tracking shot across a bunch of prison cells. And in the middle prison cell is a tarred man. So he's all like painted in sticky black tar and he fades away and then his head floats off. And it's so fucking creepy. Yep. How many episodes is there going to be of this? 18. It goes on until September. Oh, okay. It's I going was, on all fucking summer. I thought I was going to like, oh, wait until it's all down and then I'll just download it and watch it in a chunk, but I'm not going to do that now. Not with 18. Uh, watch it's it. it's yeah, a hell of a lot it's of fun. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. And the sound mm-hmm. design is, oh, it, it's fucked. And, and then it says like sound design by David Lynch and you're like, yeah. Like he probably went into some weird shed with like a bunch of tools and came out and one of the tools was missing and, and he had a stomach pain. Even some of like the special effects, they're so shitty, but <laughs> they're perfect. You know when it's just like, just here's a block of green on the screen for no reason indicating magic and it's just like, all right. <laughs> yeah, it looks real janky and it has like a VFX company credit at the end, but it kind of looks like, like a very small one. It's not like a big... VFX company. Do you think they were like make it shitty? I, like, I, I think that has like I'd say its budget is pretty big. It's got a big budget, but I get the feeling they showed like the renders of the VFX to David Lynch, and he was like, "That looks perfect." I can't believe VFX technology has gotten so advanced in the last <laughs> in the last twenty five years. That looks amazing, and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> look, if if, if 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 it's cool with the director, it's cool with us." I mean, some of the practical effects are pretty cool. Brian, tell us your feelings on the leftovers finale. Everybody should watch this show. Yeah, it's it was a, it was a fantastic finale. The leftovers definitely borrows heavily from Twin Peaks. Like the leftovers would not exist without Twin Peaks. Like like a lot of shit. Yeah, um, this is written. This is based on a book, but one of the, the development writers on it was Damon Lindelof, who did Lost. And this is a real kind of like completely different step back on the formula of the last episode of Lost. Um, the, the, so, so for the last episode, the uh, synopsis was nothing is explained, everything is explained, and then it ends. That was the synopsis. Yeah. That's so good. And that's what they did at the end. I just love that they, they were like, we're going to have a finale. It's going to be se- three seasons. That's yeah. going to be it. They didn't think they were going to get a season three. And HBO gave them eight episodes. Because I, I, afterwards I read an interview and he said that they were supposed to get ten, but they spent too much money on Westworld, so they only got eight episodes. And they were like, eight's manageable. Uh, we, we can come up with something and end it. And they ended in their ter- on, on their terms and... Yeah, like it's it's a fucking weird last season. It's probably the weakest season, I think, mm. out of all three of them. But it was a really, really satisfying ending. It's a captivating show. Yeah. Um, beautifully acted. It's definitely an acting show. Oh, yeah. That's something you watch to watch actors be really good and for you to go, wow, she's such a good actress. Yeah. So <laughs> you know? so Carrie Coon and yeah. Justin Theroux, uh, they're kind of the main actors in it. And apparently Carrie Coon wasn't meant to be one of the main actors 
because she isn't like top build in the opening credits. Mm. It's your one from Judging Amy, who who was in the cult. But she doesn't do that much. Do you think they liked her performance? Yeah, they did. Oh, I'd say so. That's what happened with Mike from Breaking Bad, wasn't it? it, it, He was meant to be in one episode and that's it. And they were like, we like this guy. Yeah, it's completely that. that, uh, Because in the first half of season one, she doesn't have that much. Mm. But I think they just realized, like, she's amazing. She's just so charismatic. You're really drawn to watching her act. Like, even in Fargo, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, just, like, in. really drawn to, to her. Have yeah. you guys been keeping up with season three, Fargo? Yep. How are we getting on? Yeah. Um, yeah, they 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 had, a, like, a really, really good mid-season kind of moment that has me, like, at a, at a real high point on the show. Um, the last episode wasn't as strong, but that's to, expect, to be expected after a big reveal like that or a big wow moment. Yeah. But, yeah, though, it's really, really good this season. Cool. Good um, to hear. But... Carrie Coon is fantastic. I want her to like be in feature films and win yeah. Oscars because she's amazing. In the last episode, she just kicks it out. Like the, the, the monologue she gives at the end is so good. And with that, we are going to move into our strategy talk. Do, do we do we have any more conspiracies? You wanna do? You wanna go? You wanna do some more conspiracies before we do video games? Well, I think like, we should have, have video game conspiracies. Yeah. Did you guys know that um, Super Mario hung himself in Luigi's Mansion? And if you go to the mirror in Luigi's Mansion and say Mario, 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 Mario will appear in the mirror with blood running down his face. Do you know that every time Mario dies, a new Mario hatches from a one-up mushroom? And takes his place. Is that why Mario doesn't look like people? Like, because you know the way in the new in the new Mario game, like he's not a human. Mario is not a human. He's a different species trying to imitate us. Yeah, it's it's not it, it it's not human. Wow, what is human? It's like, exactly what a wizard person would say. <laughs> well, I guess if he's hatching from an egg, I guess that's not human. Could you make a super eye patch wolf video about humanity, man? We'll see. I think you should do it. I have like, whenever I decide to be like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I have a couple of videos planned that are going to just make sure I can never go back. So we'll see. So Overwatch anniversary event. Brian, if you ever try and host this podcast like that again, (laughs) I will kick you right out of this fucking thing and I'll cut off your hands. Do you understand? I don't mean to get violent. I don't mean to get angry. But I have a flow set up for the rest of this podcast that would just, it's meant to be perfect. It's going to go like a river. And if you ever try and block it like that again, I swear to God, I will fucking come after you in a way that you will not believe. Do you hear me? Sounds like you're sandbagging yourself. (laughs) I am so curious to hear about the end of Mass Effect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, <laughs> what about Overwatch, though? Well, we got... <laughs> Guys, please. There can only be one host in this kitchen. <laughs> We're literally in a kitchen. <laughs> well, way to blow the magic. <laughs> it's supposed to be in a haunted house. No, no that's not for two October. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I finished Mass Effect. And it was about the same as all, every other part of it. Uh, mediocre it's... and disappointing. <laughs> uh, the how ending. Many, how many hours of. 64. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Jesus. The ending is the best content in the entire game. It looks like they've animated camera angles. They've like. Like dialogue, story, 
set pieces. Cool. Like this is this is the Mass Effect we should have got, and it just kind of like I know I guess their idea was we'll go out strong, but it was kind of more of a slap in the face of kind of oh so you can do it, you just didn't. You just kind of clogged the whole thing up with busy work missions and then put all the good content at the end. So it was kind of like I was like this is enjoyable, but. Fuck you guys. That sounds an awful lot like the criticisms I heard for Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-mm. Dragon Inquisi- Inquisition was, is a better game than Mass Effect Andromeda, just in terms of gameplay and animation and overall overall everything, yeah, really. Yeah. And that wasn't even particularly great. It's just disappointing. Like That's mostly it. The battle system feels so much better. But with the end boss, I just noticed straight away... All the battles are is it's wave-based combat and it's the same enemies in, through the entire game. And the last boss is just four really hard waves. like And then the that boss sucks. dies in a cutscene. Like, oh, that's terrible. You run over to a console cutscene of her typing shit in and he gets electric shock and that's saved the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was bloody garbage. Because, like, you know, for all, for all the kind of shit people talk about at the end of Mass Effect 3... I thought that last section did some cool stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I love the bit where Shepard's really injured and you're, like, walking towards the portal and you can, the only thing you can do is walk forward and raise your gun and all of a sudden, like, shitty enemies that you've been killing the entire game become a big deal because you're mm-hmm. all fucked up. That's really... That's a cool idea for a set piece. Yeah, they did that at the end of Andromeda. You get hurt and then you have to stumble your way to the exit, but it's not... It's not as dynamic, but it was good because, like, in terms of interesting animation and, like, narrative was brought into the gameplay. Yeah. But uh, just disappointing. Kind of showed that it could be a bigger, better game at the end of it all. PB was endgame. I I warmed to her. Your girlfriend. Your wife. Yeah, she's, like, she was cute. I felt bad. Like, all the characters are pretty good in it. And, like, the squad mates, it's just they're in a bad game. They're in a shitty, shitty game, and they're good characters. That sucks. Yeah. Is there ever a situation you'd recommend this game to someone? Uh, I was thinking about that. Like, if you've never played a Mass Effect game and this is your first one, I think you'd be really disappointed and you'd be like, why the fuck do people like this? So the only people I would recommend it to is if you can get it for like 30 euro and you are into the Mass Effect universe and you just want to see see it. You're just curious. Like, curiosity is literally the only reason I would recommend it. I am curious, but 64 hours... yeah. Like, that's that's a lot of tiny games. Yeah, it really is. Um, so what's the future of this game? Is there going to be DLC? Is there going to be a sequel? I don't know if they'll do DLC. Like they've said that Mass Effect has gone to bed for a while. And rightly so. They've kind of, they set up um, the possibility for a second, like Andromeda. Um, I don't think they should. I think, like, I think writers should just go into the night with PB and have their own little adventures. And I, think, and I think even just the name Andromeda is so sullied now. Yeah, yeah. Like they now, they now have the option to be like, and now Mass Effect Four. Yeah, they could like they could they could arc they could arc it could be the Alien it. Four. Yeah, they it could, could be yeah. the separate thing, and they could go on to their new Prometheus. Sequel, Tony Hawk's trilogy. Pro Skater Five. I, I <laughs> love it when they do that because they were like that last game. Nah, we're just 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 fucking around. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Um. Fucking Prometheus. We also thought that Dragon Age was kind of put to bed as well, and they weren't working on that. But then there's been rumors that there's going to be a new Dragon Age instead. Do you think we might see one next week? I think they could show something small, but that game would not come out for another year or two. No. Like, not a chance. But maybe that would be cool to see. If I saw a Dragon Age at a tree tree, I'd be happy. 
Well, I'm glad this meteor, medi, mediocre space adventure has come to an end, Eve. Brian, I'm very curious. You've been playing Super Mario Maker 3DS. Yeah, Super Mario Maker for the Nintendo 3DS. I bought this on a whim because it was cheap. How much did you get it for? 20 quid? Yeah. On sale? Sure. Um, I have no interest in the level creator whatsoever. I don't like make-your-own-games video games. Why did you buy Mario Maker? Yeah, that's a puzzling one. The single player on this is really good. Uh, You can't download people's levels, though, can't you not? No, but it has built-in story mode. And they're just Mario levels, and they're really, really clever. And you can stream Mario levels to play. Okay. If you connect to Wi-Fi. You just can't download them. You can download them, I think. Oh. You... uh, um, if you make a Mario level, you can't upload it. You can only share it to other 3DS users. Oh my god, that's so stupid. So okay. it won't connect with the Wii U game, but you can but pull... The, but the single-player levels are good. Yeah. So they'll have a thing where you're playing a level, but then it'll have, like, achievements in the level. So it'll be like, okay, beat the level under this certain time limit, or beat it but collect, like, 100 coins, or beat it but kill all the blue shell or the, or the red shell Koopas but not the green shell Koopas mm. and then one of my favorite ones is it's a straightforward enough level but if you can uh, but it has an achievement that if you can beat this level without pressing left on the d-pad that's so specific that's so cool it's so hard to do that because you're going right the whole time but sometimes you need to hold left back to center Mario on a jump yeah you can't that's do that that's awesome that totally like changes how that game works yeah um, well, it's uh, a stipulation you have to put on yourself. Like it doesn't like lock out your back button. No. Okay. It's it it yeah, and they're 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 just funny Mario levels of all different styles. Um, yeah, like it's definitely worth twenty quid. That's cool. I, I don't want to make any levels. Maybe I might try, but I really I'm not interested in that. I mean, I I made two levels. I might be able to download them. I'm not sure if they're still out there. One ended up getting played like 4,000 times. That's really that cool. cool. That's so cool. And like, it, it was, uh, what was it called? It was called World of Madness. Oh, yeah. It was the one you played at the party. Yeah, And a bunch like of people that. left me notes saying like, I hate you and stuff. And that was cool. So, yeah. Did you have a good time with it? Yeah. Cool. Neve, you've been playing Tekken 7. We've all been playing it, We've right? all been playing it. Have you, Brian? I have been playing Tekken 7 also. Okay. Yeah. How are we feeling? Uh, yeah, it's cool. It, needs, it, need, it really needs to be patched. Okay, okay. When you first turn that game on, that like menu music is so good. Oh, it's fantastic. Fucking the Yuri on Ice yeah, menu music. Yeah, when you said it was Yuri on Ice, I was like, that's what yeah. it reminds me of. It's got like this tinkling piano, but it's got Hayachi's like really severe face. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some good stuff. Did you guys have to download that 42 gigabyte patch? No. No? Yeah, I think so. I must have just gone down when I was playing the game. Okay, um, it's for the PSVR support. That is not uh, optional. I wish that shit was optional because I don't I'm not gonna do that ever. And that's forty two gigs. Like, yeah, from your hard drive. Um, I've, have you guys played much of the story mode? Um, I started it. I think I've done two chapters of it, but um, I hate fighting as the Mishimas. Like I hate fighting as Heihachi, so I kind of ended that pretty quickly and went straight into. You fight the as Alyssa arcade. and Lee and a bunch of people as well. Yeah, yeah, it's all the Mishima but, um, story, kind of. Uh, don't you want to know about that family tree? I will. I'll go back into it. I just really wanted to fight as my mains. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, the best parts 
the story mode in that is really good. Like, it's really bad in some ways. You know the way this all these, like, it's all from the perspective of this reporter and he has, like, incredibly bad voice acting. Yeah. Like, just straight up old 2003 fucking terrible voice acting. That sounds great. I think that, like, maybe when they recorded that and they played it back to the Tekken team in Japan, because it's, like, English or something, they were just like, yeah, that sounds like an English, like, reporter voice or something. I saw an interview with Harada during Tekken 4 and he said he had always been reluctant to put, like, multilingual stuff in Tekken because he wanted to make sure it always sounded cool. And here we are. Yeah, it does not. But, um... Ice, I've seen, like, the Heihachi... I've gone through, like, the Heihachi Akuma fight. It's fucking awesome. They did such a good job on it. Like, it's so climactic, and it's just so, like... It's so perfectly what you always want that kind of thing to be, but it never is. Like, you know, whenever you see a video game crossover, it's never what you want it to be. It's always this kind of super compromised kind of thing. Heihachi versus Akuma and, and Kazuya versus Akuma is, like... It's like watching a ridiculous fucking movie. It's brilliant. Cool. The only thing is, like, I think I might be on the last boss of it. How long did it take you? Like an hour and a half. It's mm. like, is Kazumi the last boss? Um, no. Okay. Kazumi's in it, and she's yeah. cool. But, no, she's not. If, if I am on the last boss. I was kind of disappointed just with the little bit I played, um... The story modes I like in Tekken. You remember the Tekken 3 or Tekken 4 story modes where it's a like bad beat-em-up? Like you're running through the Tekken shit. Tekken Force? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tekken Force ones. I, I really like those. I really think they're great. And like in Tekken 3, you can pick up a chicken and it goes, chicken, and you get your health. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was so good. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I like that. So like this is just like, you know, it's just standard Tekken fighting battles. Mm. Um, another thing I don't really like... Um, Say Heihachi will like like you'll fight one person and then it'll be the same match again, but you're fighting the second person who was standing there. Yeah, and it kind of just takes the energy out of it because it's like one fight and then you're like, cool, I beat him, like nice, and mm. then it's just like, well, now you have to second fight kind of thing. Yeah, there are things about that game that I f- I think I feel like it's it's quite bare bones, mm. and I'm I'm really surprised about that. Like I kind of thought for the amount of time it's been in development. I thought they were really going to town on the single player stuff and stuff in the way the story mode is handled, I find very disappointing. Like I I would have really just liked a regular arcade mode. I think more than any other fighting game, Tekken arcade mode has always been so important to me. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, you want to see all the endings, so you play as all the characters and you get like eight or nine fights to play as every character. And by the end of it, you're like, okay, I don't like that character. But at least I understand how they work a little now, yeah. you know, and I'm I'm disappointed that that's not there because I feel like the only way I'm going to play as the new characters now is if I actively really take an interest in them, but there's not a whole lot I can kind of do with them. Yeah, I agree. Like having the cool cinematics at the end was a real car- card on the stick to get through that. Yeah. But I was even thinking that I was just like, I never want to play as Akuma, but I'm going to have to learn how he plays to try and beat you. But yeah. if that had an arcade mode, I would go through it just to see his little cinematic or something. I think it's worth playing as Akuma because I think he's the most interesting character in that game. And I don't mean, like, in fiction or whatever. I mean, the way they've made Street Fighter gameplay in Tekken is... It's fucking fascinating. Like, it's so... His mechanics are entirely different to every other character in that game. Like, he works totally, totally differently. And it's really interesting because in Street Fighter Cross Tekken, they took a bunch of Tekken characters and they made them Street Fighter characters. 
But in this, they've taken a Street Fighter character and he's still a Street Fighter character in a Tekken universe. But it just feels like they put so much time into making him work right. And like, I'm terrible as him. Like, I don't know how I'm going to fight anyone as him. But it's really cool to see that. Does he not have the left leg, right leg, right leg, or right arm, left arm set up? He does. But that's kind of about as far as it goes. Okay. Like... If you do down and like his left, his left leg is a weak kick. His right leg is a strong kick. His left punch is a weak punch. His right punch is, is his right punch is a strong punch. So he still has his Street Fighter commands. Okay. So it's it's really really interesting. Before I left, my girlfriend was playing it and she was shooting people with a gun. Yeah, that story mode gets real wacky. Like that's a cool thing to happen in a fighting game. Yeah, that's the way it should be. And even oh, that fucking cutscene where Kazuya's like, you killed my mother, and it like goes around Heihachi, and he sheds a tear. Brilliant. Fucking, where's that game's off? Where's Harada's Oscar? Uh, I don't know. Um, my girlfriend was saying that when she started playing at first, it crashed on her. Have you guys had any, like... I actually online did. Online or just offline? Just offline. I had an oh, offline no. crash. Are, are you guys having any, like, technical problems? I'm, I can't get a match online. Yeah, she was saying that, yeah. too. And when we played last night, it just takes ages. Yeah. Or if you select your characters, it'll like load in and sometimes it'll play the menu music for a second go like Yeah. Like it just I, sort I, of like, I had a thirty second wait between like a match and a rematch. Yeah, and, and those Tekken matches are over in less than thirty seconds. Yeah, even the graphics coming in, they do stutter the flame wipes and shit sometimes. And a lot of like characters' hair because this wasn't in the arcade version I played two years ago, but a lot of characters' hair is clipping into their outfits. Ugh, I have such a bone with the Tekken 7 outfits. I think I have the exact... And, like, I've been I've been waiting to talk about this because this is fucking oh. driving me sane. The way the outfits are modeled separately from the characters. Yeah, okay. They're modeled separate from the characters and as well, like... So they don't fit their really, bodies. Yeah, they don't fit properly. But, like, they really are proud of their physics system. So every character has, like, extraneous just bullshit hanging off them. Mm-hmm. Like... When you think of fighting characters, you think of iconic designs. And I think Tekken has iconic designs. Absolutely. 100%. Like, Jin's flame pants is iconic. But, like, now every character literally has a long coat. Like, okay, Fing Wei's costume on its own. He has two arm chains. He has a ponytail. He has two pieces of cloth hanging out of him. He has a wrap around his waist as well. As well as, like, really ornate gauntlets. Like, trying to draw these or just thinking of them as clothes... It's just like everything in the kitchen sink, yeah. basically in there. So they're not iconic anymore. Like they've ruined good designs. And like what they're bothers, not streamlined. What yeah. bothers me as well is that because of the way that game works, because it's so focused on like dressing up your characters, a lot of the clothes are modeled in this really strange, like very loose way. So they don't really cling to the fighters' bodies anymore. Now it's mm-hmm. like, like oh, it feels like David Byrne in Talking Heads, where he's wearing like a suit that's too big, and it's... yeah, and like the thing is, they don't model like the rivets in between the fighters' muscles or anything. So everyone has these big baggy coats. They all chunky, and for some, it kind of works okay. Like Brian Fury's new costume, I think, is really cool because like he's always worn like big stupid military coats mm. and stuff like he's that. He's got a cool mask around his mouth. But yeah, yeah, he looks deadly. But if you look at, I think Asuka Kazama, and she's one of my favorite characters in Tekken. She looks like garbage in this game. Like with her shirt? With her shirt or with her original outfit. Mm-hmm. If you compare her character model to her character model in Tekken 5, 
Her one in Tekken 5 is such a crisper, tighter design. Like, it looks awesome. It's mm-hmm. like, like when you say iconic character designs, I think that's one of them. I think she looks fucking great. Mm-hmm. In this one, though, her clothes are really bulky and they don't sit on her in a way that they should, you know? And it's, it takes so much of like the kind of cool aesthetic away from Tekken characters. And I think that sucks because I think Tekken, like, is its style is such a selling point of it. And it's really disappointing to see the clothes so badly modeled. And yeah. I know they're modeled like that because each character has like, you know, fucking a hundred different pieces of outfit. But I'd rather just have three or four really good outfits. Same. I'd rather them just kind of commit to the main and a secondary outfit. But yeah. you even have to kind of buy your secondary outfit, which I thought was... And they still look like shit, you yeah. know? Like if, if, an, if an outfit isn't like the primary one, it's usually gonna... Like Lee's tuxedo doesn't look very good mm-hmm. you know and like his 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 like embossed jacket thing he wears i think is cool yeah i thought that looked cool yeah that's really cool it looked, it looked like really really nice curtains um i thought paul looked kind of funny but it worked with his design because uh, and he, his character yeah it, it worked with his character but to me he looked like a highly rendered playstation one model mm-hmm. but that's what you kind of want from someone like him yeah like like he looks silly there are limitations with how modern you can make that hair look yeah um, I love his special intro where he just punches a wall. Some of the intros are pretty good. Uh, and Asuka has her bicycle for some of them. Yeah. And so cute. then Dragonov has a sneaking one. Like, I love I love how every game he gets like 5% more Marilyn Mansi. Who are you guys maining? Uh, right now, Dragonov, Fury, and Kazuya. I always main as King. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's King's cool. cool. Who, are you, who are you maining, Eve? Um, Master Raven. She, she's so fucking Her cool. character model is awesome. Yeah, they yeah. models the shit out of her. Her face is so pretty. Yeah. There, there was one guy I played as last night and I really liked him. He's like, uh, he's one of the robots. He's on the right side of the character select screen. What does he look like? Uh, he kind of looks like a Mad Max neon green robot. Gigas or Gigas? I think that might be him. Yeah. He's got like a big mask. He's just big muscly guy. Yeah. But he's but he's he's not the biggest muscly guy. He kind of looks like he could Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's Jack because he, he looks like he could belong in a Guilty Gear game as well. Oh, that's totally Jack. Yeah, I think so. He was really really fun to play as. There was uh, new Guilty Gear Revelator Two is out, and I was really I had a moment where I was like Revelator Two or Tekken Seven. Why not both? Uh, time. Yeah, Jack. That's the guy. Yeah. Um. I am enjoying it, and like the stuff they've done to the story mode really impressed me a lot. But I would also say, like, I feel like this is a Tekken game where a lot of people haven't played Tekken for a while and they're coming back into the fold, and I think that's cool. But like, I've owned every Tekken game since Tekken Three. I buy every one of them that comes out, and I, I play them regularly enough because I have a friend who's into them. And one thing I would say, like, after a couple of hours with this one, I do feel a little bit like. It's just Tekken again, you know? And the last... I had that with Tekken 6 as well, where it was like, I felt like the changes they'd made to the characters were pretty small. Like, and I know that's kind of the nature of it because if a character has like 90 moves and they give you four new ones, it doesn't really feel that significant. Mm. But I can remember playing Tekken 5 and like Feng played so different and Asuka played so different and Raven played so different. And this time... I genuinely think Tekken 5 might be the best Tekken. Oh, I think it is. Like, well, and Dark Resurrection for the PSP. Tekken Tag 2 is really good as well. Tekken Tag 2 is unreal. Yeah, the music in that game yes. is... I prefer Tekken Tag 1 to 2. <gasps> I, I personally prefer to Tag 1 because like 
I got that. That was the first game I owned on the PlayStation 2, but I think Tekken Tag 2 is like a better game. But with this one, I'm kind of a bit like after a couple of hours, I I didn't really feel like I'm sure we're going to have fun with it. Like I'm mm. sure, you know, the people we know who play Tekken are going to enjoy it. And like, you know, we're probably going to have a few rounds at some point. But as a single player experience, I'm not sure I can really see myself spending much time with it. And I'm kind of disappointed because I, I was ready for a big like Tekken experience. I get you. I kind of like, I'm really enjoying Master Raven. So I've been like going through the training thing and just learning off all her moveset. Mm. And I was just like, I want to get as far with her as possible. And I'm kind of, I'm excited to put that time in just because I genuinely, like the music's so good. She's just fun to play. Like I'm genuinely having fun with it. Yeah. But I agree that like, I'm a Tekken fan coming into a new Tekken like that is nearly enough for me at this stage. So I know I will talk about shit. I will talk uh, talk shit about Tekken on occasion. I fucking like. I love Tekken. Like I, mm. I was thinking that there is a chance I have played more Tekken than I have any other fighting game, just because I have a friend who's into it, and we've just we've played so, like over the last decade and a half, we've played constantly. So I do like I do love Tekken, and especially oh, Tekken Five. Like Tekken Five is such a fucking magical game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I want to spend more time with it because I do really want to enjoy it. But there's little things as well, like there's no team battle. Yeah, I and, love team battle. That's so good. And even the way they changed, you know, they changed how command training works. Mm-hmm. You can't like automatically have all the things come up. They just sit at the top of the screen. You have to manually skip them. It's just little things like that. And these are things that I really love about Tekken and I really feel their absence. But I also understand that's a very unique complaint on my part. And a lot of it... It, it might get patched in. I hope so. Yeah. I hope Cycling so. Cycling through the commands is a big thing because, like, you have to do... Yeah, but that was annoying me too. I was like, and why isn't this going on to the next one? And then, like, sometimes you can't even be sure that you did the move correctly and then you have to demo the move to see if you did it correctly. And, like, ah, oh, it's... There's things I really like about that game and there's things I feel super disappointed with it. Um, a big pro... For me with it is if you don't know anything about the Tekken lore or any, have played any other Tekken, they have the Tekken theater, mo- theater mode. Oh, that's, yeah, that's brilliant. fucking awesome. So you can watch all the cutscenes from all the old Tekkens. They're all in Forest Tree, but you can full screen them. Mm-hmm. It's okay, like, perfect. It's, it's awesome. Like, it's great. There's also the Tekken jukebox where you can listen to any soundtrack from all the Tekkens and make your own playlists and fight to them, uh, which is cool. But I found out that's PS4 exclusive. That isn't in the PC or Xbox version. What the fuck? Is that some legacy thing? Because because the old ones were PlayStation exclusive? I guess so, but like it's just... And does that include the ending movies as well? No, no, not the cinematics. It's just the jukebox. That's weird. That's really strange. That's that's a very unusual rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, oh, because I was really like... I was tweeting about how cool I thought it was that all the soundtracks were available. Because I think more games should have their kind of old content available mm. in menu i think that's like a cool extra but then to find out it was an exclusive kind of soured how cool that was yeah this is something i want to bring up if we talk about e3 like hopes but i do really, really hope sony get their shit together on their back catalog of 20 years of nostalgia because that has so much untapped potential but they can't seem to get playstation one games properly working on the ps4 like, I, I, I know they're doing, like, the HD remaster of Crash Bandicoot, but if you can get, like, Spyro the Dragon for €2, Euro and it runs on the PS4 with a DualShock 4 controller, I just think there should be more things like that. 
I feel like they, I, I think they can do them because like you can get Spyro for the Vita and shit. Yeah. So do you think they're just keeping them in the wings to give a little slight HD remake yeah. over and then charge 20, 30 euro instead of giving you them for a tenner? Yeah. But like, just imagine getting the old Tekken's like really easy access and you could just... Tekken 5, they're all in it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I thought was cool as well. I love Tekken 5. Oh, yeah, they are, yeah. You can play 1 to 3 in Tekken 5. Tekken 5 also has my favorite Tekken song, Poolside. It's pretty good. That's the easiest one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Moonlight Wilderness, is that in 5 or 6? That's 5, I think. Oh, maybe that might be. Shit, I don't know. It's all good shit. It's all good shit. But um, I, I do like that they included the music and the footage because, like, I think that's a really good acknowledgement of two things people love about Tekken. Because, like, Tekken. Like, Tekken, Tekken didn't invent the ending movie. It kind of perfected it, though. Like, you never really hear t- people talking about, like, Street Fighter 2 ending movies with that much reverence. Like, Ryu goes off and he punches a waterfall. Mm-hmm. But the Tekken ending movies, they had such personality in them. And they still do. Like, the ones that are in the new game are fun. You know, like, I got Martial Law one, the Martial Law's one there, and it's it's really funny. But um, I'm looking forward to playing more Tekken. Me too. Yeah, same. Brian. Yes. Tell us about Fire Emblem Echoes. All right, Fire Emblem. Uh, so I'm really playing the 3DS at the moment. The new Nintendo handheld. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Fire Emblem Echoes came out like three weeks ago. came out in like late May, maybe mid-May. And this is a re-release. It, or it, it's a remake of the second Fire Emblem game that only came out on the Japanese NES, the Famicom, in 1992. And it's pretty good. It doesn't have the dating. It doesn't have... Count me out. It doesn't have anime characters. They look more like... Count me out. They look more like medieval characters. But the strategy Fire Emblem gameplay is really, really good. Yeah. It's missing a lot of the classes from the modern games. It doesn't have the whole uh, spear, sword, axe thing, does it? Nope. No rock, paper, scissors? No, it doesn't have that rock, paper. But I, I played some of the older Fire Emblems. So the first Fire Emblem I played was the Game Boy Advance one which is just called Fire Emblem. And that has um, the girl with green hair who's an assist trophy. Lynn? Lynn, yeah. yeah. She's real popular. Yeah. Uh, so you play as her in that game. Uh, but in this, you play as two wards, uh, a princess and a knight who are childhood friends who have since split off into two political factions and you play both of their storylines on the map and they're going to meet again at the end, but they're enemies now. And uh, it's, it's really, really good. And, like, is the mission design interesting? Yeah. You have an overworld map, and the enemies will move around on the map. And if you go over a grid but or a square, maybe they might bump into you there. Sure. And it has dungeon crawling, where you actually play as, like, a 3D character running around the dungeon. Really? Yeah, like, there is some cool stuff. And what's the... Is there combat in the dungeon? Yeah. And is it just, like, Fire Emblem combat, or...? You... It's kind of like Persona, where you're running through a dungeon, and if you hit first, you get to have the first strike in the actual... Uh, uh, strategy battle. And so are the battles like on a smaller scale? Yeah, like usually the enemies are like, there's like five enemies. Um, it's very hard to like lose characters in this game, but sometimes you actually do. Um, but sometimes you're not sure why that character died and you're just like, oh, I guess this enemy is just really strong against this one character. But they've added in this new mechanic where the main character can turn back a move if they want. Oh. But you only get five chances per battle to do this. You can life is strange it. 
Yeah, but it means that you don't need to soft reset the game every time you lose a character. Mm. Rather, you can just go back to your turn and just don't make that move. That's a that's a cool acknowledgement of how people play that game. Yeah, it's definitely different, but yeah, like I really like it. Is the story good? Yeah, the story's really interesting, but it's not my favorite Fire Emblem. Definitely not. Like it's no awakening. Yeah, I, I like my anime. I like my dating. Yeah, it's missing my favorite bits. Don't we all? And some of it feels like a chore. Like I was just playing it while watching something, and I was like, "This is folding laundry. This is this like yeah, it's it's not yeah, captivating. Yeah. It's not catching my attention." I get you. So like I'm gonna play it, but I'm not like super into it. Like I, I'm, I'm sure I'll play it on a plane flight because that's a long ass plane flight. Mm. So that'll a nice up. little back burner game. Yeah. Okay. Good to hear. Neve, tell us about Overwatch. Um, oh yeah, Overwatch. What is, what, what, what is Overwatch? Overwatch is the popular character shooter from Blizzard Corp. <laughs> it is. <laughs> he sounded like one of Blizzard's robots. <laughs> the loot cosplay shooter. Um, <laughs> the loot cosplay shooter. It's definitely a cosplay shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. The new event is a cosplay event. I'm going to cosplay as Torbjorn. Oh my god. Who are you going to cosplay as, Neve? Junkrat. Junkrat. <laughs> Junkrat, yeah. You'd make a great Junkrat. You I, like, I, I actually can't argue because yeah I could probably pull them off you could best. absolutely pull off junk crap put a bunch of shit in you you'd look like <laughs> cut off one of them legs or just you know kneel on it and but have the have it like a cardboard stone. I think if I think if she's gonna do it she should go whole yeah hard. like yeah, I mean, do. commit yeah. to your cosplay yeah. like John's cutting off my hands at the end of this episode it's true because I'm gonna cosplay as um, who, who who has no hands in Overwatch Trobiorn has a one hook for a hand so oh I know we're I gonna take them both just to just be sure. Just in case. No one is going to call your cosplay half-assed. How about Bastion? He has no hands. He has robot hands. Yeah, they're not hands. Was it like we just get your brain and shove it into like a yeah. cardboard box, Bastion? Uh, but I go, it was like the bird that's on Bastion. Bastion's friend. Yeah. Bastion's so The bird epic. is Bastion. You, I'll go as Bastion, you go as the bird. I'm going to go as Pop Vinyl uh, um, <laughs> Diva. Perfect. Um, anyway, moving on. So uh, this is the anniversary event. We've gone to the year mark of Overwatch and it's probably the weakest event they've done. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of like... That's bullshit. Yeah. So a bunch of characters got some new skins. None of them are really like amazing to me. Symmetra's is really pretty and nice. Um, the diva get a weird. Did she get the we can do it woman? Or? Oh my no, she didn't. She it's, did. it's like a she rockabilly, is get, it? Like yeah, she got like a nineteen fifties fucking rockabilly. Her kind of her like her. Yeah, it, it doesn't even is, look like, a like her. Kind of shit. Yeah, it doesn't, and everyone really likes it. I was like, that is a bad skin. That is I, a bad. I, I, I gotta skin. Google this. It did not look like her. It's like ah, uh, they just. They double down on weirdo concepts sometimes. I just and don't what, do you it. think they just want to put her in like a sexy outfit? Yeah, pretty much. No, that's not it. Is it? No, that's I think um, just put in anniversary. It's kind of weird sometimes because sometimes they do like outfits that like really suit the character and you're like that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they'll just be like, we think this is kooky. Yeah. <laughs> Like um, Genji has a cool skin. Skin. He's basically a Kamen Rider, so he's that is like, awesome. Like, yeah, cool that. Sentai skin. But like that, yeah. that really suits Genji. And I mean, yeah. Genji was always had a little Kamen Rider in him, like mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, so, like, none of them are crazy interesting to me, and they're all the most expensive. They're all like legendary skins, so they're three three thousand Blizzard souls. Um, so unless you're buying loot boxes, you aren't getting them. Like I've just true play alone, I've unlocked twenty five loot boxes and I've gotten one skin and it's the Genji skin and I don't mind Genji, but I'm happy to have it. I 
like I, I say this every couple of months, but like it really pisses me off what Blizzard have done with like the kind of loot box system in Overwatch. Like I think it's kind of gross. Like I think that's a sixty dollar game with set like necessary microtransactions if you want to get the most out of it. And I think that kind of, I think that really fucking sucks. Like, a year later. They and, are like, all cosmetic. Like anything game doesn't, like, like I don't think that's a good excuse because there's nothing else to work towards in that game. I would be fine with them if you could get them at any moment. But like, because there's a timed thing. So like, I've got three weeks to get these legendary skins. There's no human way possible to just get those from playing the game. There's yeah. just like, there's not enough time in the world to do that kind of shit. Um, so it, it forces you it's like you get one legendary every 10 boxes is kind of the statistical rate so like it takes you like ages to go up to 10 levels what color is legendary uh gold okay i have actually gotten one or two legendaries and they were they were good ones mm-hmm. but um so that's kind of annoying because the only way for you to really achieve those skins is to buy them and they all they everyone got a dancing emote which is really cool that does not look like diva no why does she look like a white person now? Because it's like fucking rockabilly. I don't know. I don't get it. I she don't doesn't really look Korean anymore. I like, I like that. I, I, I love their traditional Korean yeah, outfit. Yeah, that's such a cool outfit. This is a very specific like annoyance I have with it. But um, you know the way D.Va was kind of hailed as this kind of like champion for like the Women's March in South Korea mm. specifically? Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And then to kind of make her into this kind of 1950s pin-up like kind of American pie bullshit... I was kind of like, oh, that's really missing kind of how cool this character is. But people love it. Like, people really like it. But people have bad taste, John. It's, it, it's, it's very easy to cosplay this outfit. <laughs> yeah. Because you can go into... We're going to see that fucking everywhere. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. You, like, you can go to any H&M and fucking like, buy that When's Kikon? Like, a week and a half? Yes. Yeah. We'll, like, we'll definitely see that. Yeah. Um, They have three new maps in the arcade mode. Uh, Black Forest is one of them. I haven't really played it that Three maps is pretty good. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I thought not, it'd just be like one. They're not going none. into the main game. Though. Okay, they're like part of the like arcade stuff. Okay, so you have to play specific modes. Maybe they'll make their way in because that kind of usually happens. But um, yeah, I mean it's fine. Uh, Farah got a new skin, which I was happy. She hasn't got any legendaries. It's not the best one. It's just the same color blue as her standard skin, so it's kind of like, eh. Yeah, I mean it's tough because that's disappointing. But also, Overwatch has been out a year and we're still playing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I love Overwatch. Oh, another thing. You know the way I was going on about playing Heroes of a Storm to get the Police Diva skin Mm. and the Oni Genji skin? Yeah. They've put them in the game. Like, they were literally... Yeah, you can get them in standard loot boxes. They were literally exclusive for, like, less than a month. Well, the Diva one, anyway. So, uh, I've been playing more Heroes of the Storm. Yeah? I like that game. You like Heroes of the Storm? Yeah, I do. John likes Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. Me, me and my cousin. Apocalypse, we play it. And it has it's a good time. And we fight people. And I like it. Who do you play as? Gul'dal. He's like an orc wizard. I think he's the bad guy in the World of Warcraft movie. Cool. And I got a heart. And so sometimes I fly around on the heart being like, I am Gul'dal, the master of love. And it's stupid. I, that game is... It is an interesting rule set and a good game. It makes your it makes your brain feel good as well. It makes me forget about all the awful things. I had fun playing it with Rebecca at the time, but I'm super fucking salty that I downloaded that, played that for those skins, and now they're like, yeah. 
<laughs> Didn't have to. But you got it early. Yeah. Nah, we're just joking. We just we just put the heroin in your veins a little. Mm-hmm. I can totally see how people get addicted to Heroes of the Storm because once you start to get a read on like how a match flows and what part of the map you should be watching, it's really tactical and it's super engaging. I'm gonna try and not fall into a hole with it. Good luck. Yeah. It sounds like you've already one foot in the hole, to be honest. Yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. I have a friend down in the hole pulling me further. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed your body's kind of changing a little bit. What do you mean? <laughs> You'll see. What? Show us? Yeah. No. Heroes of the Storm Hump. Yeah. Oh, come on. I Some try nice so hard to stay in shape. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. I finished Yakuza Zero. Sweet. And... I feel like I've played a lot of games recently where, like, I'm so into it for the first 15 hours and then it will kind of taper off a little bit. Like, it happened really hard with Zelda. Like, really, really hard. Where, like, that game was, like, just rapturous for the first while. And the further I got into it and the more the kind of, like, the more the ones and zeros became apparent, the, the more I had to push myself to finish it. And... Something really great happened with Yakuza 0 where my love for that game peaked during the final cutscene where I was like, oh my god, like, I fucking love this game. Like, this game is just, it's really special. I biographed, it was just up from start to end. I would say start, little wiggle in the middle, and then just spike at the end. Like, oh my god, the way that fucking game concludes, like... It made me so happy. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going to give away the final boss fight because this is what all the boss fights in Yakuza are, but it's just you and this other guy, and you have such a fucking problem with each other that you just have to take off your shirts and just punch each other until it all gets sorted out. And like, the cinematics before, during, and after your fight are fucking incredible. They're so good, and like, it just got me so hyped and so emotional and like you're playing as two characters the entire way through like and you're playing as Majima and you're playing as Kiryu and they're in different parts of Japan yep and there's a bit where you cross over and one's in one part and one's in the other part and that's super weird oh cool but um it's really interesting because it really you know the way a lot of these games you're gonna like it's like it's the origin story for these characters like you're gonna you're gonna find out how Majima became the mad dog you really do. Like, the way they develop... Like, because Majima is, like, this fucking, like, wild-ass, crazy person. He wears a snakeskin jacket open with a shitty haircut and an eye patch. Like, he's, he's fucking weird. When you meet Majima at the start of that game, he is the most upstanding, gentlemanly owner of a cabaret club. And he wears a tuxedo, and customer service is more important to him than anything. And seeing how he goes from that to the mad dog Majima is fucking fascinating. And it's totally not a bunch of fucked up things happened to him. And now he's crazy. Like, it's it's really different than that. And it's the same with Kiryu. It's like, you see Kiryu being gone from being like, kind of, this really kind of like stoic but honorable Yakuza guy to becoming a kind of legend. Like, he becomes a legend in that game. And like, uh, there's a really cool bit where someone else is like, Kiryu's name in the later Yakuza is the Dragon of Dojima. And there's a cool bit where some person's like, and now I will become the Dragon of Dojima. And Kiryu's like, that's dumb. Um, 
But I think what I'd say about it all is like it's all underscored by this real earnestness. Like it feels like the people who wrote this game really feel like there's there's shit in there as as dumb as that game is as like silly and violent and like funny as that game can be there's actual real genuine stuff in there like the whole game is just about being a nice person when it's hard to be a nice person that's every single part of that game like the cutscenes anyway and that really kind of got me and it got me like man there's a fucking there is like a, a, a cutscene i can't remember it's like during the credits or before or after but it really got me like i was like holy shit, that's so nice and so sad and I can't believe I just saw that. And then, like, the note it ends on, I think there's, like, a tiny little post-credits cutscene and I only mention it because I want to make sure people see it if they do play it. It just ends fucking perfectly. Like, just... But if the game has two protagonists, then who do you play as in the final boss? Let's see. Okay. Because that's kind of a, like a tricky thing to, to manage. Yeah. But it's done right. It's done super right. Like, both. There's stuff I could say, but I won't. How long did it take to finish it? It took me 42 hours, but that was with about 12 hours of dicking around. Like, I got really into the subsystems in that game. Like, at one point, I, I, I might have said this last week, but at one point I was like, yes, Michael Jackson is now working for my real estate firm and he's helping me improve the property of this area. Like, that's how far I got away from being Yakuza. And um, Michael Jackson. He's called Miracle Johnson, but it's Michael Jackson. He acts like Michael Jackson, and there's a cutscene where you fight zombies with him. <laughs> the game's fucking wacky. Um, I really love this game. This is my favorite game I've played so far this year, and that's not taking anything away from like the other brilliant games I've played. And like, I still have to beat Persona. So and, and I'm near just, and near totally. Like, I don't even. I am not ready to pass any kind of judgment on Nier. I'm really enjoying Persona still, but um, I think maybe Yakuza ended up getting me getting me a little more just because... Just made you a happy boy. It just, it made me so happy. And you know, some last last couple of weeks a little rough. That was, that was a great escape from all that. I'd 100% recommend it to anyone. It's such a drastic improvement on any Yakuza game that's come before it. Like, it is fan-fucking-tastic. Are you in the space now where the next game comes out you're getting it day, day one. one yeah okay. absolutely like i beat yakuza saturday night i played yakuza sunday evening because i just i just needed to spend a little more time in that world i'm like it's not perfect you know like some of the some of the fighting sections go on a little too long and some of the enemies can be a little bit damage spongy they're like you know it's totally got issues but just the good parts of it outshined it so much more for me um I really hope one of you guys ends up playing it by the end of the year. Not 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 even for game of the year shit, just because I I genuinely think there's stuff you'd really, really get out of this. Sounds like I'd like it, and I was happy to hear your finish time, because I like I did not want another sixty hour game. So forty seems manageable. I think you could easily do it in thirty. Cool. I just I just got really sucked up into like buying real estate and managing a host club. That does sound fun. It's really fun and like... Management is fun. It is. It is really fun. And like, it's... Okay, last thing I'll say about it is like, with the real estate thing, what was happening was I was beating all these side stories and all the side stories are really fun and weird. Like this one where you infiltrate a cult, you know? And like, they're all funny and they're all these like weird kind of semi-moral 
parable tales kind of, but I wasn't getting good rewards from them until I started running a real estate firm. And then most of the people I'd help out in side stories would actually come work for my real estate firm. And so it became this weird cyclical thing where like I'd go out and do my real, my real estate collections, do a side story, come back, hire someone new, do more collections. And it was kind of, I've already talked too much about this game. It's a great game. 100% recommend it. Might do something with it before the end of the year. We'll see. But really could not recommend it more. And I think that's all the games we're going to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Let's move into our quick time events. Brian, what do we got up first? There was a, a Nintendo Direct sp- uh, focusing on Pokemon. Oh, I didn't see this. Uh, I know nothing. They announced sequels to Sun and Moon that are called like... Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. It's just the same game with... with Not with, stars. No. Um, it's just the same game with some extra shit in it. It's got a different narrative is what they're saying. Is on Switch? No, people were like really hopeful it would be because they had a little press conference thing where it said yeah. Switch announcement date to, uh, to be announced. Um, they followed it up. It's 3DS exclusive. Yeah. What's coming out in the Switch is Pokemon Tournament. Right. Which is coming out in September. You like the game, don't you, Brian? I played the, the demo and I thought it was cool. Okay. Um, maybe I'll get it when it's cheap on the Switch. Sure. I mean, uh, I know I know it has like it has a bit of a following, but nothing about it really is interesting to me. They have much. gold and silver announced for the virtual console on the 3DS. Not available for Switch. Okay. There's no virtual console on the Switch yet. Maybe next week we'll find out why. What the fuck are they doing? I don't know. Like when this came out, I was like, this is going to be great. They'll consolidate both their libraries. But like they're they're beat like they're making the 3DS a better argument to get than the Switch. Maybe they're just getting all this stuff out of the way because they're not going to do 3DS next week at all. It's just going to be Switch. But they have that announcement of the 2DS kind of version of the, you know, the 3DS without the 2D. Like, isn't that being released, like, soon enough? If oh, not yeah. already? The 2DS XL. Yeah, so I think they're going to just double down on that and that seems like a better a better product right now than getting the Switch. I did actually I, did, did like... I hear something about their online service as well the 20 euro a year thing yeah they, they they've been kind of talking vaguely about that it's not going to happen until next year yeah it won't come it won't, it won't come out until 2018 and they're not like explaining it properly it, the way it's happening is reporters are going so is it like this and they're like yes and they're like could you explain it a bit more and they're like and they'll just explain what they just said but they're i don't know it's so if you buy so if you buy arms and you're playing arms online and you get really into it does there come a point where the online for ARMS now costs money? Yeah, next year. That's crazy. Like, I think if a game comes out before that window, it should always be free to play online. Like, mm-hmm. afterwards, whatever. But I don't think you can change a game like that, not on that significant a level. Like, that feels like it gets into some weird consumer bullshit. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I played the arms demo, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's how you feel about <laughs> it. Yeah, it's not what we're talking about. Uh, it's been pretty positively received. Yeah, like oh. the fan art is great, but I don't care. I've seen like very like wildly ranging people being like, I love it, and other people being like, I hate it. Like, yeah. it seems divisive. Like, some people fucking love it. I am not one of those people, and I don't want to talk about that game. I just don't think it's productive. Okay. It's not worth saying. 
Was there anything else in the Nintendo Direct? No, that was pretty much it. No, there, 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 there'll be a, a different one next week that's focused on the Switch. And this is going to be the E3 one? Yeah. They'll have a big Mario Odyssey set up there. Cool. Man turns into giant baby at fighting game tournaments. Oh, this is amazing. This was fucking incredible. Now, a lot of people have come out saying, like, no, 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 he was just kind of like, he was just, you know, you're allowed to do that, everything he did was legal. And it's like, everything he did was totally legal by tournament circumstances. That doesn't change the fact that he was acting like a fucking dickhead. It's the way he did it. The fucking, like, I'm I'm holding up my finger, where he was like, oh no, one second, and it was like... His like his ass got blown the fuck out. He got perfect. Can we put some context? Okay, to it? so this is um, this is Combo Breakers fighting tournament. A tournament was on, and it was during the Tekken Seven uh, matches, and it was Tanukana who is the queen, basically a queen. And she plays Ling, and it was Cody who plays Kazuya, and Tanukana perfected Kazuya, like fucking nailed him to the ground, mm-hmm. destroyed him. Once the perfect came up on screen, like literally once the perfect came up on screen, he presses the PlayStation menu button, goes straight over to settings, and you can see Tanukano being like, what? And he just kind of one fingers her there, yeah. like just like, shush, wait. And like everyone, like the commentators in the background were like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, even if you have a problem, I feel like this is something where you kind of put up your hand and go, yo, can I change the setting yeah, kind of totally. thing? totally. Like, let people be aware you're in a competition kind of area, like a public space. It's like, he was literally like, no, fuck that. Like, like PlayStation. There is a way, like, that was obviously, like, that was that was fueled by salt. Oh, yeah. You know? And, like, people, like, you know, the fact that he was changing it because he thinks that the 720p, there was a performance difference on the PlayStation 4 and Tekken 7 if he changed 720p, apparently. You know, there's some, like, very minor, like, frame stuff there hasn't been proven hasn't been proven but also say it was true he shouldn't be allowed change how that game performs without consulting the other fighter yeah like if there actually was legitimate grounds to that he like the tournament setup should be law yeah yeah. like you should not be able to do stuff like that and i thought if you did that shit at evo you get kicked out wouldn't you i would hope so well, yeah. you, you, know, you know, if you pause the game in Evo, it's an instant. During gameplay. During gameplay. But because the perfect came up, the, the match, the, the round was technically over. Okay. But it was just like all the games up and up until that point, you could be like, okay, well, they were playing at a different rule set now mm-hmm. as well. And like all the games after that are different as well. If he really believes there's such a difference, which hasn't been proven. So it was like, just overall if there, if there isn't, or If there isn't a difference, he's a baby. If there is this difference, like that's really shitty like that's worse to me mm-hmm. yeah but um then he just got destroyed anyway so oh yeah you would think it, like if you felt it would make him better it didn't she won the next round good yeah. she's great i think she's really cool i was um so she like a role model for you Neve? yeah i haven't watched a lot of competitive tekken but i was watching her at combo breakers and it was amazing she was so good yeah. she had a double ko as well with a jack player mateo um just just brilliant like she was delighted that they got a double KO. yeah she always seems so pumped mm-hmm. like, e- like like even when she like loses she's got like a big smile and everything yeah she, she just, just seems cool full of charm and just nice and um, the two people in the finals were two uh echo fox players from south korea that was a really good good Fucking final as well south korean overlords they just took over fighting games in the last couple of years yeah <laughs> um yeah i was watching like the combo breaker stream i hadn't seen i hadn't seen that match when, when you linked me but they had all, they had made a bunch of jokes like 
when like when someone would drop a combo, they're like, oh shit, you better go in and check the screen resolution. And so I was like, what the fuck are they talking? And then you linked me that. I was like, oh shit, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's weird when it, it's weird when people get crazy about stuff like that. Just be nice about it. There's a nice way to do that if you really thought it was important. Absolutely. Just ask. Shenmue 3, not at E3. That's a shame because you know that game is coming out at the end of 2017. Can you guys believe? Do you think? Can you guys believe? (laughs) That's what the Kickstarter said. Can you guys believe that they're so confident in their products that they don't feel they even need to show it at E3? Like, my money is safe. That's a scam. That was such a fucking scam. (laughs) No, Neve, they're, they're super confident. And I will not hear you, Suzuki, talked about like that. Like He made Virtua Fighter, Neve. Wolkoff Field. Sarah Bryant. These main names mean nothing to you. Do you know what he did with That's your Kickstarter huge. money, John? He tried to put it into his big wallet, but there was so much money in the wallet that it fell out onto the floor and he just forgot about it. No, he put it into his wallet where there's a little photo of me with a heart around it. And then he bought That's loads of wallet. custom brown Shenmue jackets for him and his friends. Good! He deserves them. He bought a really, really nice motorcycle and drove it into a wall. <laughs> I mean, when I backed the Shenmue Kickstarter, I was like, I'm basically... This is like loading my money into a truck full of dynamite and matches and hur- hurling it off a cliff and just being like, maybe a game will come out the other side. Thanks to all the backers. It's going to, like... It'll be like jaw hole. That, 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 that's all it's going to say. Yep. Jaw. Like, you know, I know what I got myself into. It's so weird that they don't even have anything to put, like, like literally 30 seconds of trailer footage with some, like, and they could just do well, they it. Have, like, they have released stuff like that. Yeah. But why not just show that at E3 then? I think Sony don't give a shit. They might be in some sizzle reel at the end. They were like, and all these other games that we yeah. have in development. Do you know that like in the last year, Sony have said nothing more about God of War, that 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 Spider-Man game where he's in the weird outfit, and that zombie biker game. Oh yeah, it's been twelve months. Oh, I I, 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 don't think, I, I don't think that zombie biker game is ever going to come out. I think that was a tech demo just to show as much shit they could get on. Check all these physics. Yeah, yeah. So those three games, like I think the zombie game was shown off when they were demoing the PS4 Pro, but it was still the same bit. But they haven't like. There's no further information since a year ago in those games. Like that game seems so dated for so many reasons. It's got some cool biker boys. Got some cool biker boys. I'd say literally the only one of those that will come out is the God of War one eventually. The Spider-Man one might come out. Yeah, well, yeah, especially with Homecoming coming out. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake going in-house. I was shocked Can to hear... Can you guys believe that they're so confident in their Final Fantasy VII Remake? <laughs> okay, go on. I was shocked to hear that it wasn't being made in-house in the first place. I was shocked. I, I actually didn't know that the fucking Azura's Wrath developers were developing. Yeah. Fun. Oh, cool. I love Azura's Wrath. I really love Azura's Wrath. But I don't want those guys remaking Final Fantasy VII. It's CyberConnect 2, and they've done, like, the Naruto games as well, and Jojo Eyes of Heaven and stuff. Yeah. But, like, they don't make RPGs. They don't really make games. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky Eyes of Heaven is barely a game. And like That game is for fans only. That, and it's a beautiful piece of fan service. Like it totally is. Yeah. And Azura's Wrath is a fucking fantastic anime box set. But Jesus. I'm glad they've handed over to the big boys. So yeah, they've moved it in-house and it was a developer stream in Japanese and they called it a sensitive subject taking it back in-house. And this is the quote. 
Up until now, development has progressed by receiving external collaboration, but from here on out, with production and quality in mind, we're shifting to our in-house organization. This company decision was made wanting to control quality as well as keeping the schedule stable. That does not sound like good news. In pure, that sounds like bad news. In pure speak, that's basically, oh fuck, everything's on fire. Pretty much. But why would you hand off Final Fantasy VII Remake to an out-of-house place? Yeah, such a beloved game. Yeah, it's just like, you think you would want to keep like eyes like a hawk on that baby. And to fucking CyberConnect, who I like. I think CyberConnect are cool. But Jesus Christ, like, I wouldn't give them my fucking child. Do you think they'll make CyberConnect, like, do one of those, like, video apologies? <laughs> like, what they did with Metal Gear Rising when it was still being developed in-house by some weird B-team in Konami. And then they had to, like, apologize and show them, like, handing over, like, documents to Platinum. Where it got renamed Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Beautiful. Um, they brought shame. I think I think I would love more video apologies from uh, the video game industry. That'd be pretty good. Do you think you'll ever have to make an apology video? On oh, I fucking know I will. Do you think it'll be one of those ones where it's you talking, but you have to, but then you have to cut the footage to get out the pauses? Mm-hmm. But then people are like, "You've got pauses in your vi- in your video. It's not genuine." Yep, totally. It has to be raw. I've I've had people demand I apologize before. You should. Like, Berserk. The new season of Berserk is great, John. I love the new season of Berserk. It's so good. It's so good, guys. It's so good. There's so much material. If you're listening to this on Friday, look forward to tomorrow. Yes! Uh, A guy got really angry at me on Twitter and demanded I apologize for what I said about Bleach. You didn't even say anything I I, I haven't watched that video in like a year. I don't know what I said in that video. But it must have been pretty bad because people, phew, they're getting annoyed. He fucked up Shonen Jump forever. Yeah. He did. Like, you should say sorry. Uh, okay. Will I just do an apology on the podcast now? Yeah. Okay. Um, listen, guys, I, I'm only human. And sometimes I say things about series that people like. And uh, I'm wrong. And I'm sorry. Thank you, John. That was hard, Why? but I you should watch. <laughs> <laughs> super eye patch. He's um, not afraid to apologize. Do you think I should make a super eye patch for I like point out all the things you do? I think. I think. I think that's been put on. Yeah, that's been. But like, if I just do just it. scroll down like four or five comments, and you'll see like an essay on how I'm crazy. And how You're I'm using YouTube voice so much. I actually I haven't gotten that one. That's not your so talking good. pattern at all. Uh, of course it, like of course it's not my talking pattern. I went back to and like I rewatched your Hunter Hunter one because I like that one. Um and I was just like, "Oh, this is before the development of the way you're kind of your like pattern for it at this mm. stage." And I was like, "This is so different. This is like raw super actual." Yeah, this does. It's also that, 40 minutes of like Hunter Hunter. Yeah. It's what, it's what you need. Yeah, it's good. The fans need that shit. Sometimes I think, like, man, I'd love to do why I should watch Hunter x Hunter again. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it again and better. Oh. It's a really good video. Leave it, leave it. It's got heart and nothing else. Maybe you could do a Chimera Ants arc. I could, I could do every arc in that goddamn show. But anyway, anyway. Moving on, we have the news of Monument Valley 2. Yeah, oh, Monument Valley 2 is that it. That was a pleasant surprise. So Apple did like a presentation last night. They Grimes at it. 
and they announced like a bunch of weird shit and one of them was like so yeah there, there was a a new talking speaker that you connect to your iCloud but it also plays music but you can also like request so it's like a Siri yeah but it's a but it's a bluetooth speaker and it seemed like yeah you could use that to solve tiny menial tasks and let it record everything else in yeah the so they can use that data uh, but yeah, they announced Monument Valley 2 at this. And yeah, like the, I, I love the first one of those games. They're, yeah. They're beautiful games. I never played it. Oh my God, John, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's so lovely. Like, so I, amazing. I love optical illusions. I love those kind of puzzles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard, I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's it's it, it, it's a tight, touch-based game. And cool. it's just gorgeous look, looking graphic design and color-wise, like not out there beats it. Um, Monument Valley 2, you play as two protagonists now instead of the one, so it's kind of got more like gameplay mechanic stuff to do with that. Um, it's only on iOS. Hopefully it'll come to Android soon, but the other one did, so. Yeah. And they took their time making it, which makes me think that the puzzles are well thought out. They're not rushed puzzles. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the first one came out like four years ago. I think, yeah, 2014, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, three, three years ago. Yeah, but about that. That's mad. Yeah. Life is Strange leak. Prequel starring Rachel and Chloe. Question mark. Question mark. This was leaked model Prequel sheets. starring yeah. Rachel and Chloe? <laughs> Chloe? You should have that upside down question mark. Yeah, so big leak. We were talking about Life is Strange sequel last time and how I was okay if it wasn't anything to do with like Chloe or the girls, but uh, it turns out it could be a prequel starring Rachel, Amber and Chloe. Uh, Rachel was Chloe's friend who features predominantly in the story as kind of a mystery character so it's kind of explaining that mystery i guess uh, none of this is confirmed it's all leaks through like kind of art, development artwork of the two of them i'm cool i'm down with this like totally if it's true that's like the number one thing i didn't like about that game gone so that bodes well for me mm-hmm. yeah i think at some point we're gonna have to do a 30 minute life is strange chat we've again. talked about life is strange so much on this it's just podcast. one of those games that all three of us love though <laughs> um, one thing about this is you know when people do prequels mm. the ending is already written you know and this is a kind of a player choice game where you can kind of control aspects and you know maybe the ending so how does that play out maybe you can like decide what the last moment of the relationship was like yeah that'd be a cool way of handling it that'd be really it. sad given yeah fallout yeah yeah, okay. And so it could be like a uh, like it could be a high note or it could be a sad note. Mm-hmm. But like, like Jack is a zero was a sequel, and the way they ended that game was just like fucking pitch perfect. So I like it actually really made me think of like there is a bunch of shit you can do with prequels that I never thought of, and I think if people are curi- curious to see more Chloe, then there is a bunch of ways they could take mm-hmm. it. And like playing as Chloe, you're playing as the way more interesting character it'd be cool if this is just like a single episode uh kind of like in between uh walking dead season one and two there was a single episode i thought that single episode was really interesting like not great but it was very in like ambitious yeah because it didn't need to like uh connect to anything too much so maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's just a single episode i'd be fine with that same here yeah. and that season two is its own thing yeah i just think it'd just be just something to something to give to the season one fans and then Make season two its own thing. I, I, I'd way prefer that if it's just called like season zero or something. You guys excited for this? Yeah, definitely. I really wanted to see what like, like 
Chloe's really sad about what happened between her and Rachel and it's kind of it'll be interesting to see what that was or how that plays out because like Rachel was a mystery in the entire game of Life is Strange and like it was one that was you got to find out what happened to her but you didn't get to find out about her you know and all that stuff it was alluded to so I think that's interesting as someone who liked the narrative. I mean if they're going to return to that world that seems like the right spot to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Steam Direct announces a publishing price. Yeah, so they were talking before about this. Um, they got rid of green, green light and they put on Steam Direct and they said it could be anywhere between 100 and 5,000. To host your game on Steam. Yeah, uh, it's now 100, definitely, and it's per game. I think that's okay because last year more Steam games came out on Steam than ever and a lot of them are shit. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just a good way to gatekeep the shit. It's 40% of the entire entire Steam library came out last year, I think it was. Yeah, as someone who is a member of the Something Awful forums in which you have to pay $10 to join that forum, cuts a lot of the bullshit out. Yeah, and people want to behave. But I nearly think... I, I nearly think a slightly steeper price would uh, would put off more of the bullshit and i don't know this is going to do it i think asset flippers will still make their money from this yeah so i actually would like to see that a little more expensive i'd like to see a tighter gate you see what they're i don't i like that it's as cheap as they could possibly make it because like if you're an indie developer like sometimes a hundred's a lot of money you know especially if it's a really small thing um i feel like there is other marketplaces for you then though i guess so but like 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 no matter where you slice it, Steam is the main one. Steam is the one like your dad will know about, you know. Yeah. Um, but they said they're going to focus like more on curation, and I think that's needed. Like if they're going to do this lower fee, they need to have real people and not just algorithms. I hadn't heard that. That's focusing on curation. That's, that that's important. Yeah, they got like um Total Biscuit and Jim from the Jimquisition to come to their headquarters and have a talk about asset flippers with them to help them understand it more. And I, I thought cool. that was really cool yeah. of Steam because, like, like I love Jim Sterling, but he has shit all over that company for years. And it's cool that they're, like, that they, like, they saw through that and saw that he actually does know what he's talking about and, like, wanted his, his advice. Like, that mm-hmm. does show, I think, that they're actually, they're striving to make this better and it's not just a problem they're, like, ignoring. So I think if they focus on curation and they really, really want to change in that aspect, the 100 is a good price point. If not, then it is the exact same thing. Like Steam Greenlight was 100, but it was a one-off developer fee. This is 100 per game. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I, I it might even go up. Let's just see. Yeah. Yeah, but it's cool. So E3 is like right around the corner. What do you, how are you guys feeling about E3? What do you want to see? Um, a bunch of Switch games. I want to see... What's your fantasy Switch game? Like a, like a brand new, like, Zelda Gaiden Breath of the Wild. As in, like... A Majora's Mask. Sure. So, like, it's using the same game engine as Breath of the Wild, and it's a weird fucking game. But, I'll, but see, they got the fucking DLC, so they're not going to do that. Yeah, I, I'd be, I think, two or three years, maybe. I... Okay. I'd love to see that. But. Okay. So, yeah, they'll show the Zelda DLC, but let's think of, like, something that could actually happen. Because, like, I kind of... I've seen all I need to see of Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's... I, I'm going to get that game. That's all there is to it. Uh, Pikmin 4. But how about 
my 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 fantasy is a brand new WarioWare, like a proper WarioWare that has a thousand micro games on the Switch. Oh, that'd be so. Three DS exclusive. No, <laughs> and it's called WarioWare Switch, and it's three DS exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that'd be cool. I mean, I'd love to see a punch out, but I don't think we're getting that because yeah, arms is got real. arms. Arms is punch. Is, yeah, arms is not punch out. I'd you like shut your dirty mouth. It kind of is. Um, where just a brand new IP RPG Switch exclusive. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be cool. You know, I'd love just, I'd love Mother 4 and I'd love it to be pixels and I'd love it just to... Okay. So, uh, I, I think Retro Studios are working on a new project. So that's either Metroid Prime 4. I can't wait for Donkey Kong Volcano Blast. Or Donkey Kong Volcano Blast. But I want to see what that is. Um... Maybe they'll have a new Mario and Luigi RPG. They love them. Yeah. I don't really know what I want from E3. Like, I feel like it's been a very good year for games, and I'm not left wanting for a whole lot right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be curious as ever. If they have a Waluigi platformer, that'd be cool. I want to see some new Tomb Raider stuff. I don't know if that's, like, gone away, though, now. No, they're definitely making a third one. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Only sold 4 million copies. Deus Ex has gone bye-bye, so I'm hoping to see some Tomb Raider, because I like Tomb Raider. It's got the nostalgia. They'll have to do mm-hmm. it. Um, I would like to see... I don't know. I'm, like, really sad that, like... What was it? Dragonbound or Dragon Scale? Like, that weird... Scalebound. Yeah, Scalebound. Like, I want... Like, giant dragon game. I want something weird like that to happen. Fuck. Bayonetta 3. Switch exclusive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Xbox One exclusive. <laughs> what the fuck are... Like, do you think so Microsoft good. will show off that ARG... Do you think they'll show any ARGs? That's no, it's not gonna be real. Scorpio, or, 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 Scorpio, Scorpio. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, Scorpio. Um, yeah, I really would like Sony to sh- like properly do backwards compatibility or have a back catalogue readily available. I'd love to hear details about Nintendo's online service. Yeah, and the virtual console. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't have particularly high hopes for the C3. Maybe that's the best way to be. Yeah, I think so. Like, going in with any expectations, they usually get, like, dashed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm gonna watch them. I'll just probably. Well, maybe I will. I oh, I'm gonna sit yeah. there. I'm gonna fucking soak up every single minute. I love every moment of it. Right. This is this is the the first. This year. is our Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. This is the first year that it's open to the public. So you'll have the journalists asking the questions, but but then like halfway into it, in the second half of the week, you're gonna get the hype. Uh, 10k subscribe. You, 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 uh, players on YouTube. That okay, aren't okay. famous. Right here, Brian. You're nearly a 200k. I'm talking about 10k. I'm talking about like they're not they're not up and comers. Like they have hit their limit, but they're gonna be like going, oh my. There's God. gonna be way more. Woo! This year. Yeah, because they're like so honored to be at E3. They got a T-shirt. They're gonna have all the fucking swag. And the last thing you do as a journalist is wear the swag. But they're just gonna be like some guys gonna have some Assassin's Creed like T-shirt ex- extra small. Wrapped around his ham body. <laughs> and he's going to be like, guys, this is epic. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah beware hype mongers. That shit's, that's not criticism. That's not interesting. There's going to be so much hype. Yeah. Like, if you want someone to tell you the thing you already like is great, then fucking yeah. Like, that's boring. Like, some guy's staying in a hotel in San Diego, and he's like, I'm so happy to be here in LA. Thanks, Ubisoft. Yeah. That's actually going to be really interesting to see, like, the different coverage. I wonder what the influencers have to say. (laughs) 
Are you, are you an influencer? I got an email the other day that opened with, Dear Influencer, and I closed the email, and I deleted it. Yeah, that seems like a slur. <laughs> like You kind of are an influencer. Do people want to be an influencer? Critic. Is that something people like aim for? There are well, definitely it, people... It depends what we, you we want could... to do with your channel. Like, I think it's so, like for some people, that's the roadmap they're on. It's like, when are those sponsorships coming? But like anyone I've seen who's like an influencer is literally a rich American kid who just buys loads of shit and then makes like prank videos being mean to other people. Like, that's, that's what it's like. I, can, I, I have an Instagram account and I'm mean. Like, that's what an influencer seems to be. Well, like, people would consider Super Bunny Hop an influencer. Really? Oh, totally. But he doesn't do, like, ad-based shit. Like, he's doing reviews and critiques. It's I would not, call him a critic. It's not whether they've... It's not... It's not their business practices that make them an influencer. It's their ability to influence. Okay. But I think the actual term influencer is used more for, like... Instagram. Oh yeah, like, it I think it's becoming more, it's becoming more that. Okay. Like it's becoming a very like like walled off profession, but for a while now like like when people when they talk about targeting influencers, they're talking about people with large followings who can get across ideas. That's so horrible. Like I really hate that idea. Like imagine calling a critic like a film critic a film influencer like that's not the goal of a critic at all. It's to be a consumer voice, you know, a, a guide in the the dark swamp of media me- mediocrity, you know, not the, hey, yeah, do this, watch this, because I love it. I couldn't agree more. But, like, um, the scene has gotten, yeah. scene's gotten really gross. Um, we do want to remind you all that this podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. <laughs> <laughs> the number one crate. Um, have you ever thought alone in your bedroom... Man, I don't have enough pop vinyls. Well, friends, boy, do we have a solution for you. Do you guys need another keychain? <laughs> I'm like, I'm talking about the one to replace your Harley Quinn keychain. Because I saw a scratch on it, buddy. And I think you're going to have to get a keychain with Negan from Walking Dead. Oh, my God. No, Pikachu in Negan's outfit. So. That is so <laughs> random. <laughs> I knew a couple, like a guy and a girl, and they both got loot crates. I'm like, where are you putting that duplicate shit? Like, where? <laughs> Maybe if you're real nice, they'll give you the like. The, give me the, the extras. Can you can you give me that uh, Master Chief oven mitt, please? <laughs> That's great. There's such fire. Is it his face or his hand? And you can put it up against yours so it looks like you're talking to him. Yep. Okay. You guys are really selling me on Loot Crate. You guys are good influencers. Can we look at Loot Crate for... No, no, Brian, stop looking shit up during the podcast. It doesn't play. No? No. But I'm just describing... hacking music. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, on the podcast we'll tweet out uh, this this month's Loot Crate and we can have our hashtag to get or the, the code to get 10% off. Do you think if we start pretending that we're sponsored by Loot Crate enough that Loot Crate would eventually ask us to stop? <laughs> That's such a good idea. No, because like if people don't know, it's people could just do it. Yeah, yeah but no, no, we we're could, like free influencers. We could, no, we could be like, and in this month's Loot Crate, it's a, a box of spiders, <laughs> and they like crawl out and go everywhere. I really think Loot Crate would be like. Do not, do, do not, we, there, there is no passcode called Boss Rush that will get you 10% <laughs> off. 
Please stop telling people they will get spiders. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use the Twitter for that now because because we have a couple hundred followers. We're definitely influencers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple hundo. Couple hundo. <laughs> I like that phrase. Hundo. Yeah. Couple, yeah. Hundo is a measurement. So that's E3, everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, like, well, who's going to be? Sega's going to be there. Sega's no, Shenmue's going to be there. I was going to say that they're there with Shenmue Three, but that's wrong on but so many levels. They're all announcing stuff now, and I don't know. They'll, they'll have the Assassin's Creed demo. Maybe that'll be fun. I I can't wait. I, I can't wait. I have the same thing every year on E3 where like I see like a trailer for something and I'm like, oh my God, that looks so fucking bad. These idiots. And then everyone is so happy about it. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, all right. Anyway, with that, we're going to move into our emails. May's theme for Lucrate. Okay. In May 2017, Lucrate's theme is. Hit me. Guardians. Whoa. Have they, they've, cleared, they've had to have used that before. Yeah, but. I think they've had like six zombie boxes. So you get a Rocket and Groot figure. Nice. That looks like a Disney Affinity. Uh, no, that that's Wolverine. Like, look, if you're into figures, there is some really amazing companies that make amazing figures. Go look at Figma's and SH Figure Arts and, like, Good Smile Company. For like, a fat company. Now, I have genuinely been thinking of doing a video called Stop Buying Pop Finals. They single-handedly killed, like, art- artist toys. They they destroyed Kid Robot. Yeah, yeah. like, and Even at a vinyl. fucking con, the amount of walls of pop vinyl. Mm-hmm. Like I get it, they're cheap and they're obviously their character like, but they're so soulless. Like there's nothing like it's the same template with the clothes printed pop, on. Pop them. vinyls are the physical form of the sentence. Did you get the reference? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just to say, if you like Loot Crate, or you are someone who shills Loot Crate, that's cool. That's fine. Nothing against you. I just feel I need to put that in there. I just, like, want you to be happier with nicer stuff. There's better shit in the world. Do you guys want, like, Moriarty from Sherlock? Do I? <laughs> yeah, my favorite ones are just, like, the normal humans, like, um, George Clooney from, like... like Ocean's Eleven or some shit. Oh, the what, Wonder World or whatever. Did you guys see the was? Tommy Pickles one? Oh, no. That Look it up. Horrifying. Look it up. Okay, everyone. Everyone, just just be cool. If you're at work, if you're, if you're doing your homework, just turn away from mom. And look up the Tommy Pickles loot crate. Oh. Man, why his feet look so weird? Isn't that just fucked up? Help him. <laughs> he looks like a Binding of Isaac enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, okay. And for our first email. Uh, Neil, you've got a big old long one to read. How do you feel about that? We leave that one last. last. Okay. Do you want to go with... This one comes in from Jonas. Hey guys, just want to let you guys know I'm a big fan of the Tekken series. I remember Tekken 2 being one of the first fighting games I ever played as a kid and I'm still a huge fan to this day. I was recently playing my first ever ranked match on Tekken 7 online after about, and after about 20 minutes of continuous disconnections and lost opponents and general frustration, I finally entered my first match against Katarina. I won the first two of three. I won the first two of the three with general ease, but come round three, I found myself suddenly struck by panic and confusion. 
I have set my Tekken soundtrack so it plays songs from all the previous Tekken games randomly. I am fairly familiar with the tracks from Tekken 3 onwards, but what I did not realize was the theme song used to open your podcast is the Chicago USA console version theme from Tekken 1. Tekken 2. From ah, from Tekken 2 are one and the same. As round 3 started, I was unable to process what I was hearing as it was a sound being used in a very different context to what I'm used to it being, your podcast. I then lost two rounds in a row before coming back with a narrow victory in the third and final, in the fifth and final round. I hope this gives you some chuckles. Jonas, it gave me some great chuckles. I do appreciate that. That's very cool. Oh, and he has a question as well. Have you ever experienced a quote or piece of media that actually had a completely different origin from that that you were unaware of, only to eventually find out the origin and be shocked by it? And the example he gives is his story. Really, enjoy, really enjoying your stuff. Keep up the good work. Lots of love from Oxford. Jonas, thank you for that super sweet email. I'm trying to think of one. I don't have one just yet. So I got one. One of my favorite television intros ever is the Malcolm in the Middle intro. I think, like, that is such a fucking good late 90s, early 2000s just pull of all this different stuff. You have, like, Bret Hart doing the sharpshooter in there and, like, weird old horror movies. And there's this one bit of that where you just see an anime man smiling. Yeah! And I always... Maybe because, like, so much of that show is about, like, brothers and stuff like that. I always thought that it's, like, he's this cool older brother anime person smiling at you. That is like, so weird because it's really dark and ominous. He's in the rain. I know. <laughs> but it's so cool. But I think I think it's just, like, positioned next to all that other stuff that really mm. hit me. Yeah, really catches your eye. Yeah, I was just like, oh, he's like, you can do it, buddy. And then, like, years later, I found the clip it was actually from... And it's of a guy, and I could be misremembering, but he I think he kills a woman and throws her off a bridge and then looks down at her and does the smile. And it made me feel really gross. Yeah. That that's a too. that's a completely different context. I can't think of one. I can think of like one that happened to a friend. Hit me. Same guy who's into the reptiles. Uh he saw the crying game, but he knew the story, the 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 the, uh, the uh, reveal that kind of happens in the middle of that film, because he'd seen Ace Ventura: Pet Detective, and they make <laughs> fun of it in that because they use the same song cue, and he was very just like confused but also disappointed, because why would Ace Ventura: Pet Detective do that? That film is not good. What Ace, Ace Ventura? Ventura? Yeah, the second one's better, I think. Probably. Second, the second one has him coming out of the rhino naked. Oh, that's... And that's really funny. Yeah. I remember finding the second one kind of upsetting. I think it got too naughty for me. Um, Is, you know, Frank coming out of the leather couch in Always Sunny, is that a homage to the rhino? That, that definitely thing? has to be. Yeah. Like, it, it, I don't it, think so. I think that's just Frank doing his thing. But you know how like, they're both kind of just this weird, cringy, desperate struggle. Yeah, and they're yeah. both naked and it's about leather. <laughs> and the noise, yeah, the noise yeah. is very similar. Like the the, le- the sound of the leather and the breathing. Do you got one new? No, not off the top of my head. Like, Probably just like quotes and stuff that you kind of know from around and then you hear them in context of the film or whatever and you're like... Mm. Or you, you, you know when you hear a rap song and they're sampling something but then you hear the original 70s version of that rap song. The amount of time that happens to me and I'm like, wow, that rapper isn't actually that talented. Yeah, he's just sampling this loop. Or that musician like, isn't that talented. Daft yeah. Punk. <laughs> um, so there's a website where you can like reverse search that stuff where you can like... Put in a YouTube link to a song and they'll find like where that came from. 
is kind of what the Pied Piper app was doing in uh, Silicon Valley. Valley. The amount of times it happens in The Simpsons as well. And I think it happens us more because a lot of the stuff The Simpsons reference, like their references never aired in Ireland. Yes. And so then it's like, like sometimes I see stuff in The Simpsons and I'm like, that's a really funny joke. And then, like years later, I see it's like it's an odd, a nod to this like American TV show, and the joke gets less funny to me. Then I'm like, oh yeah. shit. Yeah, like I didn't watch Alfred Hitchcock movies until I was twenty, but like th- there's so much Hitchcock in yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah, there is. Or like with Simpsons with John Waters with the zap zap kind of thing. I was just thought that was funny on its own, and then like knowing about John Waters and seeing his films, I was like, oh. Oh, it's super transgressive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's just John Waters. There was, there's a bit in the Shawshank Redemption, and when I was little, I was like, wow, they're, they're beating up this guy in a really weird way. And then when I was older, I was like, oh. Jesus, John. Yeah. Um, Chicago team, I think, is from Tekken 1 and not from Tekken 2. I looked it up there because I was like, not sure. Jonas has got you. Is it yeah. Jonas or Jonas? It might be Jonas. I picked that theme because I love Lee. That's pretty much it. It works so well. Yeah. Like, I love it. I really, really like it as like an audio cue to a punchline. Yeah, it's just the countdown works. Thanks, Tekken. Yeah. (laughs) For everything. Tekken's always been here. Our next question comes in from Demodan. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, Recently, I've been working on a video in the same style of yours, uh, da, 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 and it's about and it's about my favorite show, Soul Eater. And halfway through writing it, I realized I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I am someone who can write about most topics pretty well, so I came to this conclusion and was flustered. Any recommendations? Um, I am going to bet that that is your first draft, and all first drafts are always garbage all the time. That's why for most of my stuff, I do just what I call a burn draft. I sit there for four hours, I write the entire video out, and then I close it and I never look at it again because at that point I realize where all the problems are and I need realize what I need to like research and stuff. So I'd really encourage do your first draft. Don't be judgmental about it. Just fucking get it out and then you can fix it. If it's out and it's bad, you can fix it. If it's not out, you can't fix it and you'll never progress. So that would be my advice with that stuff. Moving on to our next email. This one's mine. Okay. This one's from... A little guy called Walt. Wait, is this Little Walt? This is Little Walt. Brian, what does Little Walt sound like? Hi, Nave, John, and Brian. Congrats on 50 awesome episodes. So my question is, what book would you like to see adapted into a game? What mechanics, design, style would you like to see put into the game? I would love to see the book series on Dune adapted into a survival adventure game. It would take the survival mechanics of Breath of the Wild and use the dialogue choice systems from older Bioware games like Mass Effect 1 or Knights of the Old Republic to explore the world of Dune. It would be cool if it was in the style of the sketches of Hodorowsky's Dune, but adapted for a 3D world. Would love to know what you would want. Keep up the great podcast. Walt, as always... You are the star in so my little, sky. So Lil Walt is a friend of this podcast. <laughs> uh, we're very fond of him, and that, that is the only reason we can make fun of him like this. He is my son. Yeah. I love him. He's he was a- the secret fourth member when we bought all those switches. <laughs> yeah. He's all I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, what games do we have? I was coming up with joke ones earlier on. I thought your one was really good. It's really fucking dark. Okay, Flowers in the Attic, but it is a survival style game Jesus in the vein Christ. of like like Animal Crossing. But you're just in the attic and you're playing the four kids abandoned in the attic. So I had no idea what Flowers in the Attic was. But like Brian said, there is like two malnourished children that have to be fed blood by their older brother child. Yes. To keep them alive. And there's an abusive grandma. It's a southern gothic horror. That's... Yeah. Written by a crazy lady. I would play the shit out of that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, I want a... You should, you should find out more about what happens in that book. I want... <laughs> I want Platinum to make a character action game based on Stuart Little. <laughs> Michael J. Fox voicing Stuart Little. I want a beat-em-up. Okay, how about like a beat-em-up based on a book? Okay. Oh, well, you know, actually, no, no, first. How about we do a platformer with Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn? I, I hate that. I love that. <laughs> oh, Isn't I, he like on a raft for the whole thing? Yeah, with Jim. But, Every but sometimes he meets, level. But, but sometimes he meets Tom Sawyer. I think that'd be cool. Okay. How, okay, so we have to have like a beat-em-up. Okay. So we got to make a beat-em-up out of a classic book, Animal Farm. <laughs> yeah! That kind of would work, yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be fucking class. And it's like, it's not animal abuse because it's about uh, communism. And not Fight Club the game, which is a real game, but yeah. that's not, that's different. Can I make my Resident Evil joke again? Yeah. They should make book games out of those Resident Evil books. <laughs> oh, I'm so God. sorry, everyone. Um, they should make one out of Little Women, but it's a survival sim, so you have to kind of keep uh, warm in the winter and not let your little sister die. Okay, how about Square Enix do like a five episode series? On sense and sensibility. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that a book or was that always a thought? Sense and sensibility. I think it was a book. Okay. Or how about just Pride and Prejudice? Um, for a real answer, I think you could make. <laughs> no offense, Pride. <Brian. laughs> no, I think these you are could all make real. a good Witcher style game out of the Robin Hood oh, book series. Totally. Assassins, yeah. Um, book series, and you could probably cycle between two characters of Fitz and the Fool, and or, just yeah. I, I never got to the part of that story where the fool becomes important. Oh my god, John, it's all about the fool. I think I got halfway <laughs> through the the ship bit. I got like a book and a half. Yeah. You, know, you know, there's three Assassin's books and they're great. And then there's like three ship books and they're really good, but they're fucking slow as shit. I love those books. So they're really good, but they're yeah. so slow and they're so, and like, I'm shit at reading. Yeah, before I found out dys- I was dyslexic, I thought it took everyone like six months to read a book. Yeah, that's that's what, that's <laughs> it what, doesn't. That's what reading a book is to me, and like yeah. I hate it because I actually love reading books, but it's like four hundred pages. <laughs> See you in a year. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's a big investment of time. Did you guys ever read the Mouse Guard books? Yeah. Oh really my god, they're great. Okay, I love one of those, but it's like a Neo Geo fighting or style game, or it, 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 it's in the same vein as Dragon's Crown. Are the Where, guard, like, it's 2.5D. Are the Mouse Guard the same as Redwall? No, but they're quite similar. Yeah, they're very similar. Like, they're similar in the But vein. something, yeah, it's something like that, but it's done like Dragon's Crown mm-hmm. or the Muramasa game. That'd be where, so cute. Yeah, that'd be yeah, amazing. Oh, it'd be so inspiring. And, like, I mean, the art style's already developed, so. Yeah, I love the I love the artwork on those I books. Should, I should check out Mouse Guard, because I used to fucking love Redwall. Redwall was amazing. Really was. Yeah. Um... The Little Friend by Donna Tart is a 
1970s kind of thriller about a little girl called Harriet trying to solve the murder of her brother Robin, who was killed when he was nine years old. He was hung by a stranger. So she thinks it's someone in the town. So she kind of goes spying on all the little neighbors in the town and it kind of escalates uh, when she uncovers a murder plot. That sounds like it could be awesome. Would that be like a top-down RPG maker style game? I kind of like it, like a Life is Strange kind of a Life is Strange kind of game. Because Nate, did you sorry good stuff? Did you play any more Kona? Yeah, a little bit, but I haven't finished it. So I wanna... still, still good. Still good. Still good. Yeah, okay. still good. You guys should play it for sure. Oh, I will. I will. Especially okay. since you like maps, Brian. I do like maps. It's a good map game. Uh, the Bible, the greatest story ever told. Um. Rhythm game? Rhythm game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, the Bible as a rhythm game. <laughs> yeah, rhythm game. Noah's Ark specifically. Every time you, you get an animal in the Ark, every time you clear an out level. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Or like, you know, this is a little bold, but the crucifixion, I think. <laughs> a rhythm game of Julian Barnes' A Sense of an Ending. Haven't read it. Uh, neither have I, but I just, I used to work in a bookshop and I was like, that's such a like Christmas present book. I think I got it from my sister for Christmas, and she was like, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you for this Christmas present." I've really won like a man Booker Prize, so it must be good. Bart Simpson's Guide to Life. Oh, that that's a good book. Yeah, that's fuck. That's such a good book. It's like it's like a Simpsons episode in paper form from the good times. Like films get adapted from books all the time. I don't know why video games don't pull from that great resource. Because gamers don't read. Even more reason they can pretend it's original. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't get caught for years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what they do. What video game. games would you like to see in book form? I'm going to say Tekken. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good read. Uh, I'd like Tekken to read like a trashy romance novel. I want like a really, really good uh, like steamy novel of Persona. And you're like, I feel really bold reading this, but you keep reading it. Sure. I used to work in a library and all the books they used to get in was large print porn for the nuns. <laughs> like it was all romance and smut. Because like they got in like the Wheel of Time and I was like, sweet, I read these. And then she's like, oh no, they're going right back. They'll take up all the space on the shelf for the big word books for the nuns. <laughs> so it was just like, it's just for them. Bill Waltz, thanks for the email. Keep doing what you're doing. I've got one more. Okay. Maeve Binchy's Circle of Friends. <laughs> And that's the beat em up. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Neve, what do you got for us? Um, this is from Ailsa. And it is basically a follow. She is going through our old episodes. And we used to talk a lot about how John is haunted as fuck. <laughs> it's true. Um, yep. Specifically, how he gets sleep, um, sleep paralysis. So Ailsa has gifted us with her experiences with sleep paralysis and they are super scary okay so settle in sleep paralysis runs in my family so it wasn't a shock when it started happening to me i had an isolated minor episodes of sleep paralysis when i was a teenager but then in my early 20s it got real bad i saw shadow people specifically one large shadow person the stranger for a while it was relentless every night i could not sleep in peace Sleep deprivation was becoming a major concern in my life. I'm not going to go into what happened with the stranger because honestly it's kind of gross and a whole separate novella. Skipping to the end, I do not see the stranger anymore. He is gone. I haven't seen, heard, or felt him in over eight years. 
But then the hag showed up. She's so different from the stranger, little and grinning with loads of silver gray hair. At first she would just come into the room and look at me. Then she started this kind of hide-and-seek ritual, where I'd hear her shuffling around and have to dig my gaze into the different corners of the room to find her, behind a chair, below the footboard, in the closet, the windowsill, or hovering on the ceiling itself. All the while she edged closer into the, to the bed. I also have this very intense auditory and tactile hallucinations when I have sleep paralysis, and I don't know if it's supposed to be her or other people, but it was like these loud warbling conversations and laughter was happening right there in the room, just out of sight in the dark. That's so scary. Jesus Christ. I'm crying a little bit. She didn't say anything directly to me, though. Whenever I saw her face, she was just smiling. She didn't seem to have lips to speak of, just a stretched black hole and pebble-like teeth sort of rolling around in the dark. It was a full darkness, though, in that it always looked like the black was something alive and trying to climb out of her. One night I woke up. Lying flat on my back with both hands resting above my head, I felt her hand on my wrist, cold fingers wrapped tight against my pulse. For several minutes she just held on, then gradually she started to squeeze. Unable to move, my only defence was to try and keep my eyes shut, hoping she'd, she'd leave. As the pressure increased, it started to feel like she was dragging me towards the headboard. I finally let my eyes fall open and saw that she was coming out of the wall this time, just behind the iron-barred headboard of the bed, slowly grinning, beginning to drag me inside the wall itself with her. Fuck that. I'm not totally sure what happened, logically. Let's say I fell fell all the way asleep for real and this um, seamlessly transformed from sleep paralysis into a dream. That's probably the best way to think of what happened next. The voices and laughter was still sharp all around the room. The hag was starting to struggle as she tugged me a few inches at a time through the headboard and into the wall behind my bed. That is some Freddy Krueger-like style bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. he comes out of the wall and drops a crucifix and stuff. It's like fucking scary bullshit. It's just not appropriate. Mm Mm-hmm. I've never felt rage so pure before. It was so exhilarating. What in the hell did this busted Samara's grandma think she was going to do with me? What was so important or scary inside the wall that I had to come and see it with her? I wasn't afraid. I wasn't curious. I was just 300% fucking done with her. <laughs> Insane tar pit, tar pit grin. I tried at, this, to... at this part in the email, I was like, okay, this girl's way fucking tougher than I am. Yeah. She's pretty cool. I tried to move my fingers for felt, felt like several minutes. Then uh, when they started to twitch, I flexed the wrist she, was, uh, wrist she was holding. In another moment, I snapped and twisted my hand around to lock onto her wrist instead. Still, she just grinned, laughing silently as the voices in the room raised and rattled against my pounding skull. I pulled hard, trying to yank her out of the wall, and managed to get a few inches off the ground in a bizarre tug of war. I've no idea what possessed me to do this, but when I saw that I had actually moved her, I pulled her arm up and to my mouth and chomped down. The laughter from the unseen audience turned into screams, and the hag, but the hag never stopped smiling. Even as my jaw repeatedly cracked while I began to swallow her down, it only took a few seconds of stuffing whatever bit of her I could grab into in my inexplicably python-like mouth, and she was gone down to the last string of grey hair. She barely hit the back of my throat. I immediately fell into the sheets and then into the darkest, deepest, best sleep of my entire year. I've never saw the hag again and the whispers got so quiet and far off that I could sleep peaceful again. So my totally unsolicited advice is that if John sees the hag again, he should just try straight up eat her. Pac-Man <laughs> had the right idea. Eat some ghosts. I still have sleep paralysis from time to time, but the voices are hushed now. Of course it's not proper sleep and the sensation of trying to move and being stuck is never not unsettling. I just lie there and listen to the whispers loud enough that I can feel like I can place their location, but not close enough to understand what they're saying. I rarely see anything, even when I do open my eyes, and then it's usually just a short, stooped figure pushing past the doorway. 
I was prompted to send this email to you, not just because I've listened to your small run of Let's Fight a Ghost episodes, but also because I haven't seen the cat. I have felt and heard it. It's relatively new. It's only started about a year ago. And about a year after I ate the hag, of all my sleep paralysis experiences, the cat is actually kind of pleasant. I'll probably let it stay, to be honest. I don't know what it looks like. Maybe once I see it, I'll change my mind. But as of now, the cat just yowls or walks across my body like a real cat would. It sometimes stops and sits or even stretches out next to me on the bed. I can feel its tail flick across my face and pull the sheets as it shifts its weight around. It knees on my stomach and chest and neck. I haven't opened my eyes yet. My mother is convinced that sleep paralysis visitors are something real on another plane. I love my mother, but I have a secular explanation that I thought you might find more helpful. I think getting rid of the hag and the stranger too, even though that was different, ultimately turned into relatively basic mind over matter exercises that I played out during my experiences. Not to get into my life, but the stranger and the hag both represented different internalized fears. Once I chose to do something to defeat that fear, I put my mind in a position potentially to create a weapon that, according to my subconscious, would realistically hold power over the stranger and hag archetypes, respectively. Since I created these monsters, I could create their weakness. Of course, it failed miserably half a dozen times before it ever succeeded, but I kept trying different things and eventually my subconscious was done working through the fear these figures represented. I unconsciously gave myself permission to defeat them, thus I don't see them anymore. So that's... Fucking hell. That's Elsa's email. Wow. That, oh, I don't think I could do that. I, I think, like, she's, like, super right. I think they are a manifestation of oh, real life. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. Like, 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 I think they're, like, it's an equivalent to maybe bedwetting, you know, where, like, someone has that experience because they're, they're dealing with a lot of shit and mm. it's something you can't control it at nighttime. Oh, whenever it happens to me, it's always when I'm, like, super stressed, mm-hmm. you know? But... The thing, like, hearing voices and whispers around the rooms, that's so spooky. Did I ever tell you guys about the dinner party? No. Is this scary? It's a little bit scary. It's a yeah. dinner party. It's definitely oh, scary. Yeah. It's nighttime now. So, one time, um, my parents were, they were out for the evening. I don't know. I think, I think they were, like, gone for the night and had a friend over. And it was just the usual thing. Street Fighter, watch wrestling, and just hang out. Uh, you know, we were both pretty tired, so we kind of went to bed, and he was in, like, a sleeping bag beside my bed. And um, I started hearing something downstairs, and it was so weird. It was just, like, like the clinking of plates, you know? And I was like, what the fuck is that? And, like, why is it happening? And, like, I was just kind of lying in bed trying to fall asleep, and I thought maybe it was, like, the house next door or something. And... Then after a while, like, the slow, steady rumble of people talking started coming up. And, like, it started getting, like, like just, just people talking very quietly. And then, like, like the sound of, like, you know, knives and forks and all that kind of thing. And, like, them on plates and stuff. And it just got louder and louder. And, like, to the point where it was, like, this really feels like it's happening, like, 20 feet away. Like, this feels close, you know? And I was getting really, really freaked out. And I turned over to my friend and his face is white. And he's wide awake and he's just like really wide eyed and he looks really shocked. And I go like, Jeff, do you hear that? And he goes, and he looks at me and he goes, yeah. He goes, it sounds like a dinner party. I don't remember what happened after that, but it was the weirdest fucking thing. And there was no way there could be a dinner party in the house next door. Well, there could have been, but you wouldn't have. But it, like, it was just so weirdly close, you mm-hmm. know. Like, it was really, 
it was it was really strange. That's scary. Email us at askletsfightaboss at gmail.com. We do love those spooky stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Elsa, was that girl's name? Um, Elsa. Elsa. Elsa, thank you so much. That was a that was a great email. Yeah, um, I'm really proud of you. to give you our professional opinion, I don't think you're haunted. I think you are now. You may you may have the hag's powers. Yeah, actually eating the hag. Yeah. So That's so cool. I would use that new... I would use those powers responsibly. But definitely use them. Like, scare the shit out of people. Yeah, it's a cool ability. Yeah. It'd be really cool, like, if someone took a photo of Elsa and, like, it's just, like, you can see the hag behind her. No! Oh, man. So stand. That would be good. Stand it up. <laughs> stand it up. The hag. It's like cream. It just eats. <laughs> Space. So... I would like to make a little addendum to an email we got a couple of weeks back, if I may. Okay. Sure. It's our so, podcast. <laughs> that's true. So, this was on the OTP email we got. And I've been thinking about this a lot because it's a subject I find very interesting, but also very difficult to understand. It just stuck with you. And Neve, you asked me a question. Mm. You asked me, did I not want to see the fictional characters happy? And... After thinking about it, I realized I don't. I want to see the fictional characters that I love fucking miserable. I want to see them so unhappy. And I want them to be that way because I eventually want them in a moment of victory to defeat that misery and obtain happiness. And I want to share in the catharsis of that moment. But once it's over, I want them to go right back to being miserable so we can do it again. I like you having this medicine like addendum and it's fucking awful. <laughs> no, it, it's logical. So but you really thought about it, didn't you? I had to because it But that isn't a real genuine character arc. You don't like go through something horrible, you get there, you have that emotional high, and then like do it again and again and again. Like it does would sound give like up. It, it doesn't you sound like a, a narrative arc, but it sounds like a real human experience arc. Sounds like a shonen arc. Well, I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that as like this is good storytelling, but that's generally what I want. Yeah, like okay. I like miserable characters and I don't like them to be happy. I like miserable characters, but I like the idea that there's someone out there that could be good for that miserable person. Yeah. Or it could but make them then not miserable. It, it'll take it they'll take it away from them. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> You're so like cruel. a berserk. Yeah. Let everyone be happy. Berserk's the perfect <laughs> yeah, example let, of let that. Let them be happy for like an afternoon. You get you get one happy afternoon every five years. Other than that, it's shit city. And won't that be the happiest afternoon there could ever be? But John, they're shipping stuff for that. It's called angst. There's an angst tag on fan fictions where literally shit things happen to the characters and they have to deal with all the angst, but together. Maybe one of them will die. Who knows? I'm not in it. I'm in it for fluff. <laughs> A little bit of angst is fine, but you need to balance that out with the fluff. It needs to be solved immediately. Please. Not, like I like I like long like I like slow burns longs. I just want people to be happy. <laughs> you, you like pining as long as there's some sort of reward at yeah, the end. So yeah. what do you, do you like like? And then Mercy came home to Farah and she was like, Farah, I have the cat food you ordered." <laughs> no, what I think about interesting in Farah and Mercy is I think they both like. Okay, this is going into real fucking fan and bullshit. But like, I think it both as characters, as a medic and as a soldier, you have to deal with the moral consequences of working with an agency of Overwatch. You kill things, you shoot things, you are at war. 
Um, that's, this sounds pretty fucking angsty, Neve. Yeah, it is angsty. But I also find finding someone who you can relate to of like this, like, I don't know if I can do this or if I'm doing the right thing. And finding someone you can relate to is a good basis for a romantic relationship or a close relationship. Because anyway. they'll be really fucked up when you take them away. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop doing that. Email us at askletsfindaboss at gmail.com. Let us know about all your weird ships. We would love to hear about them. We're on Twitter. It's called Let's Fight a Boss. We're on Instagram. It's called Let's Fight a Boss. And uh, if you want to use lootcrate.com, use the code BOSSRUSH. You can get 10% off your first uh, lootcrate. Bossrush. Bossrush.com forward slash spiders. Yeah. Uh, we want at least five emails about spiders, please. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to say, we actually got so many emails this last two weeks. We really appreciate it. We do read, we all three of us read every single one of them. Just this podcast would be like six hours long if we read them all. Yeah, we got loads of emails about mirrors. Thank you so much. Oh, there were some great emails about mirrors. I like the one that was just like, yeah, I like mirrors. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is what we asked. <laughs> it's true. Um, and we are going to move into our loot drop segment. So um, I'm going to loot drop a one, of, probably my favorite video from a favorite of the podcast. H bomber guys, Sherlock is garbage, and here's why. Um, Sherlock is a show that people really like, and it always. There's things I like about it, but I always found it so fucking irritating as well. And I found it very cathartic to see someone so eloquently voice those criticisms. And like, he's just, he's an amazing writer. He's such a good, he's so good at critique and he's so good at like pinpointing, pinpointing what it is. The video is like an hour and 50 minutes, which I know that is an absurd length for any YouTube video that is not by H-Bomber Guy, because he just keeps it entertaining and interesting the entire way through. Yeah, I really like long-form stuff. This is, like, a great video. I've watched it twice now. It's so it's just, good. It's so good. It's so funny, and it's so skating. And I think a lot of what he says, you could apply it to a lot of shit TV shows that treat their audience like trash, like Walking Dead, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I second this. The drop is really good. I've only watched the first 20 minutes, but as someone who's seen every episode of Sherlock, doesn't like the show, but just watches it because... Ah, Brian, you like it. Oh, uh, yeah, like, but I don't like it. I, it's a bad show. I don't it, think yeah. anyone really, like, anyone I know who watches it doesn't It's really a stupid like it. show. There's a really fantastic bit about the fake fourth episode from the fourth season. Yeah. Like, how a bunch of fans just got it in their head that a fourth episode existed that was going to make everything better because the fourth season was apparently so bad. And then they all, like connected the dots to this completely unrelated show and when that show premiered with no Sherlock and no Watson they were fucking pissed (laughs) for fuck's sake yeah I've seen every episode of Sherlock but I always find myself 20 minutes in checking my phone because it's boring I think it's really mean spirited and I never thought Sherlock was like that just as a character so I was really happy to see it being torn apart (laughs) Sherlock that's what I remember I was watching Sherlock in work, Brian, and you were watching my screen because you were always really creepy like that. Yeah. And the second it says Sherlock, I just get a like notification from Brian on the internal messenger just going, Sherlock, capital letters. And I just wrote back, I hate this show so fucking much. Do you see, John? <laughs> Do you see? I see. Um, my loot drop is 
um, the combo breaker Tanakana fight where she uh, double KOs uh, with Mateo's uh, Jack. It's really fun. When you get invested in watching a fighting game match, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, if you like this one, just watch the entire like Tekken like finals. It was really good stuff. Uh, Mine is a Skullgirls animation breakdown from GDC from a few years ago. I have not watched that yet, but I can't wait. This was in my YouTube recommendations, and I was like, all right. And it's Mariel, who's on Mega64 Podcast at Christmas. Oh, no way. But she's a CalArts graduate. She does some other t-shirts, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, she's a CalArts graduate, and she was the, the she was one of the animators on Skullgirls, and now she's the lead animator on Indivisible. Oh, wow. Yeah. But she's just talking about animating fighting game characters, and it's super interesting. We've gotten lots of emails about animation, or do you have any like interesting animation videos that you might not have seen? This is definitely one of these. They talk a lot about smears and about weight and timing, and it's just a really good example of explaining this because the way you learn in college is you learn it with a fucking sack of flour and, and a this ball. is and a ball, and this is just so much more accessible. Mentally, I hate how they teach traditional animation. It's so boring. Remember Wave Man Boat? <sighs> yeah, it's the worst. And like, I just think teaching animation through fighting games is such a better way. Yeah, it's just it it, it clicks better in your head. Definitely. And with that, that brings episode fifty-one, the mysterious episode fifty-one, to a close. Who is the spider of this podcast? Not me. Bye. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye.